This week on Log It from Billy and Billy, The Exorcist, 1973, the movie that shocked the nation. We are here to talk about it. We have Ian with us, who's seen it for the first time. We have Angelo, who's seen it for the inth time. Directed by William Friedkin, written by William Blatty. Ian, hey. watched it this morning. How are you feeling? I have thoughts. I have feelings. <laughs> I can't wait. I, um, yeah, I watched we, it while eating oatmeal, which is weird. I feel disgusting. like that's never been done before. You should have put a little bit of green dye in it for yeah. like a fun, immersive experience. Let's just say I didn't finish my oatmeal. Yeah, I bet. I finished you. Angelo, you've seen this a lot. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm general. happy to be talking. <laughs> I'm doing great in general. And yeah, I'm happy to, excited to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies, and especially it turned 50 years old this year, so it's going to be a fun discussion wow. oh my, is it the 50th this year that's <laughs> mm-hmm. i didn't even realize that's cool. that makes sense six uh 73 so that's right and that freaking just passed away didn't he yeah rest yeah, in peace so. rest in peace yeah. one of the best rest in peace that's really sad <laughs> yeah i just saw the french connection for the first time this year oh, and i nice. loved it his his this is my first freedkin movie oh wow nice. really. any of those ones yeah, yeah i can't wait to yeah. get french connection is cool too it's a lot different I mean, obviously, but it's really mm-hmm. a fun movie. But first, we're going to get into last four. Before that, though, I wanted to ask you guys a question, and I'm going to mix it up, actually, because I feel like we've talked a lot about franchises mm. uh, that we like leading up to this. Um, so I feel like this might be redundant. So I'm going to switch it on you and actually do Whoa. one Ian recommended. Whoa. What is a Halloween movie, an iconic Halloween movie, or just one that you need to watch. It doesn't even need to be iconic that you haven't seen yet. Oof. Well, I just knocked mine out of the park. I just watched The Exorcist. <laughs> I'm trying to watch primarily scary movies this month. That's like my goal. So I'm knocking a bunch out, but I will say I'm a scaredy cat. So it's hard for me to <laughs> um like I'm not I'm not really on a quest. Like there's a few on my list that I'm like, no, I'll watch that one maybe later. And I'll find one yeah. that's less spooky and scary. So, but I would say The Exorcist for sure. Like that's one that I've been dreading to watch. Angelo, did you pick The Exorcist for this week? I did. Yes, I did. Okay, well, we'll have to talk later. I have a bone to pick. Yeah. Um, well, that's what the podcast is for, dude. <laughs> no, but it was it was definitely this this one for sure. And yeah, I can't wait to talk about it because I have thoughts and feelings. All right, well, yeah. well you can save them. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. I woke up to a handful of messages. Me and Ange, I'm sure Angela did too. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I watched it alone. Yeah, I watched it alone. So I, 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 I had to have a, I had well, to know that I had someone on the other line that I was just like, <laughs> I wasn't doing this alone. Uh, sorry, I didn't get back oh, right away. Awesome. No, just knowing that you would get there eventually, it was, was comfort enough. <laughs> no, that was fun though. Angela. Yeah, for a must Halloween, yeah, definitely I would list the actresses. That's a classic for if I mean it depends on what the viewer wants because I know there are viewers that do yeah. want something Halloween but not too scary or there's some that like yeah give us something really scary or something hmm. well balanced and I don't know there's there's so many good ones out there like I mean I mean on Halloween you have to see Halloween John Carpenter's classic that's like a must if you have never seen it that's like go watch hmm. it on Halloween that's the perfect time to go see it. It's in the um, title. 
Yeah, exactly. It's in the title, so it's like that was on. the first holiday movie uh, movie that started the trend of like Valentine's <laughs> exactly. Day, New Year's, yeah. Leap Day, <laughs> holiday franchise, <laughs> the original, which was actually inspired by Black Christmas uh, from 1974, the year after the movie we're going to talk about today. So I felt like there's so much influence. that is actually the first one. Then you're right, <laughs> a Christmas movie is a horror movie. So Halloween, I would recommend or. I don't know if if people are too scared. Watch Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because that's like the Avengers oh, God, of the Universal yeah, nice. Monsters yeah. movies. Yeah. You have you know I'm not Boris Karloff. Yeah. We have Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney coming back as Dracula and Wolfman, and Abbott and Costello in the center that's of all cool. these iconic <laughs> like monsters. So I guess that's one I would say Halloween time. That's a fun one. It's it's funny. It's not too scary. It's, you know. So yeah. That's a good recommendation. You've recommended that to me with that same pitch before. Those old horror movies, like Frankenstein mm. from the 30s, is actually like a really fun movie. And the Abbott, Costello, Abbott and Costello, I'm pretty sure I watched after you recommended or at least started it. And it's also very fun. But like Bride of Frankenstein is like surprisingly a, a fun watch. Like, oh, um, yeah. You expect it to be super boring, but I. I thought it was great, especially if you've watched Young Frankenstein. It's surprising how many things are pretty accurate to the original stuff. Mm. So that's really fun. I'm trying to think of ones I, I haven't actually seen. I feel like there's a lot of the new ones that I've been yeah, hearing about. Sure. Like Talk to Me, I've heard, is I, incredible. Um, is that the right one? That's supposed to be amazing, yeah. I really liked it. Probably my favorite movie this year so far. Not like an old classic, but from what I've heard, it's like yeah. one of the best new things in a minute. But I guess ones that I've watched recently that I really were like, oh man, why didn't I watch this sooner? Hmm. Was like Hellraiser. The original oh, Hellraiser is oh, really yeah. incredible. Really fun. The set, yeah, dude. So there's a lot more to it, especially like like uh, has been a theme for the horror movie franchises for me. The first one, there's actually a lot of depth to it. Mm. And there's like, it's surprising how much world building and thought is put into everything. And then it does kind of just turn into like Pinhead coming around and, and messing with people. Uh, and he mm-hmm. just he does turn into kind of a, just a, a villain. But the first one, they're, they're really weird and it's really sci-fi. Yeah, fun. I really like the first one. I haven't seen it yet. I need to watch it. But Pinhead was, um, I remember when I was a kid, trick-or-treating and i saw either an adult or a very large teenager dressed as pinhead oh, and i think that yeah that um really affected me i uh there's something about <laughs> pins in the head that, uh, <laughs> just a bad idea yeah, just evoke something red flag for yeah, me super big red, red flag, flag yep, for me big red yeah. flag wait but angelo are there movies like scary movies that you have yet to see or have you have you been um keeping up <laughs> I've been looking at my horror watch list. There's still some ones I have not watched. Yeah. Like there's that movie called Audition that I keep seeing on people's favorite horror movie oh, list, sure. but it looks looks like one of those torture type movies. And I'm like, I'm not feeling that right now, but maybe someday I'll get around to it. And oh, is Audition a Korean movie? Yeah, it's been on my list for so long, and I, I it's hard to find. I've never had a chance to like just that movie put is it. fucked up, man. You have seen it, okay? Because I've been wanting to see it, but. Not yeah, shout to out it, to yeah. my brother Aaron. He showed it to me, and it's 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 pretty freaky. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great though. It's really good. So yeah, audition. I've been wanting to see, <laughs> and then another one where I just hear about it so much. It's always on people's like favorite horror lists, and I just I'm not really too big a fan of this filmmaker, but Antichrist is always up there, and I'm like I don't oh I don't sure to watch it after hearing about everything, and and yeah, I know what happens. I just don't know if I want to sit through it maybe at this point in my life. Is that the Willem Dafoe 
Willem Dafoe yeah. and Charlotte Gainsbourg, yeah. um, Lars von Trier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Lars von Trier. Yeah, I'm not a Lars. I'm not a big Lars von Trier fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm mixed with this stuff. There's been like he's got some okay ones, and then is the titular Antichrist in it? <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure. I just know it's about like their kid like falls off like a building or something, and and I don't know. And I just heard you know about what? like. This should be the first movie we do a commentary to. Oh, I'd be down. You know what? Watch yeah, it if maybe with a group of people, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, I've never I'll seen it. Group of friends, we'll we'll do it, and I'll I'll probably hate it. Yeah, I'll get some commentary yeah, energy. <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. I don't want to watch this. I feel like it'd be fun. <laughs> you, you're locked in now. Especially from what I heard, it's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to sit through that by myself. I mean, like I can handle gore and violence, right. but just it. But if it if it's in like the genital areas, like I don't want to see that. <laughs> like I just don't will not feel comfortable. Genital. Speaking of, I mean, The Exorcist had a decent amount of genital. Oh my god, violence. <laughs> I don't want to. And then, we need to talk about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fun. So, I'm trying to think of other ones that I haven't seen. Mm. This is a bit obscure. Real fast, and then we'll get into the last four. Cannibal movie. Cannibal Green. Holocaust. Oh, Green Room. Cannibal Holocaust. No, Cannibal Green Holocaust. Room I haven't seen either. Green Room is really good. Cannibal mm-hmm. Holocaust is the older, like, almost a... Like, it's like a found footage. It's like a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, like, people thought people were actually getting killed, but it's supposed to be one of the most, like, disgusting movies of all time. I think animals actually died. Yeah, yeah, they That's, did. So there is, yeah, I remember there was, like, controversial methods they used to do some of the violence, but... um, No, thank you. I've always kind of wanted to see that. yeah. <laughs> But more as a uh, morbid curiosity than I, that. I think I would enjoy it. But just because it's like, oh, you hear about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of fucking <laughs> Oh, fun, man. you know what movie? I've only seen bits and pieces on YouTube, that, but I've been like, Caleb, kind of kind of have a morbid curiosity. And then, Caleb, I think you posted about it recently. It was, um, it's that silent black and white Swedish film about the occult and witchcraft and the devil. Yes, I really want you messaged me when I posted about it, right? Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm super interested. It, I think in, it's the, the vi- Hacken or Haxen. Some cool Instagram I followed posted like cut up of it with music and it, the visuals were crazy. The the special like whatever the practical effects that they use phenomenal it's like it's insane what they were able to do back i'm assuming you that's wa- the have you seen it ian or just i've seen, only seen um, clips of it on youtube okay okay cool because i'm too scared to watch the old it's, <laughs> it's these, these spiritual movies man we'll get into it but i i do feel like when i watch it i'm just opening a door to, to something dude <laughs> paranormal activity that. was yes, like that for me definitely which yeah I saw it with you. We've talked about this on yeah, the show. Yeah, I think we all slept in the same bed afterwards. I was going to say, I might have cut this out before, but since it's Halloween, we did see Paranormal Activity together in high school, and Ian did sleep over yeah, it was at my house after because we were so oh, scared. <laughs> it was a, that's a, that one scared me. That was like, time. that was the mm-hmm. heyday of found footage scary movies, too, because I remember it, it might have been with you, too, Caleb, or maybe with maybe a mutual friend, but there was a found footage exorcist movie. Do you know what I'm talking about, Angelo? Oh, the last exorcism. Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah. It was like late 2000s. 2010. Oh my Great. God. Yeah. That movie. That was good. was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that one. Yeah. Underrated. Yeah. 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 Fun. One. Yeah. That was a, yeah, there were some fun horror movies coming out around then. 
But there's a found footage craze after Paranormal. Like, they just kept Definitely. pumping out all these other kinds. Yeah. And there's probably some that I can't even remember what came out during that time. Yeah. But, but Last Exorcism, I remember that stood out. Yeah, the first the first paranormal activity was yeah definitely made a big impact from my experiences, and I did like up to the third. And I don't think I've seen past that. So they were good. Yeah, up to the I, th- I feel like up to the third they were all pretty solid. Hmm. But hey, Caleb, you were talking about scary movies earlier. <laughs> yeah, I got a scary <laughs> yeah. movie. The Dodgers uh-huh. playoff chances. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about scary. It is tough having a team that gets to the playoffs every year. Um, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was trying to take a shot at the Angels. Oh, it's been scary for the past ten years. We, yeah, we do lose every time, yeah. but at least we're you're in there them for a couple days. Yeah. No, it's been a sad. It's been a sad thing. Kershaw's legacy as a playoff chump has been cemented yes which is just uh really i'm honestly more sad for kershaw than i am for like the dodgers this look this joke was towards no ill will to the towards the dodgers i was actually i'm actually rooting for them in the playoffs but just because you both are angelinos yeah um, <laughs> yeah i had to throw that joke in come on it was cool. <laughs> no i love it okay good yeah. i could get into a baseball talk so i'm i'll take that cue at one point Let's let's clear some forty five minutes for some baseball talk. <laughs> yeah. I tried to get Ian to start a, a baseball podcast with me at one point. We're gonna start oh, bunt it. That's bunt cool. Oh, bunt it. Yeah, I sports. like that. <laughs> Ian's idea. Dude, that's so cool. I'm all about it. But as it is, this is not a baseball podcast unless we're doing baseball movies, which we, oh, we can gotta do. do. I that. love baseball movies so There's much. Good ones. That's good ones. Spring in the spring. <laughs> So we'll get into Last Four, as this is a movie podcast and a letterbox podcast. Mm. Last Four, I'll go first because I have a very quick one. I watched Haunted Mansion, not The, just Haunted Mansion, 2023 from Justin Simeon. Uh, this was a really nice, fun movie. Oh, thank God. I liked it. It's not great, yeah. but I thought the Haunted Mansion stuff was good, and I got the feeling that I got nostalgia Disneyland nostalgia, which I mm-hmm. think a movie like this ultimately is what you That's want. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it. Bare soon, minimum. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. going to ask because we're all we're all Disney Disney dudes. What? How mm-hmm. is yeah. how is the lore, the Haunted Mansion? Lore, how is that integrated into the story? Real quick, yes. Andy's not here, so I have to shout him out. Disney boys or whatever you said. Disney dudes. Also, Disney dudes, as Andy would say, pumpkin purse, pumpkin purse girls. Which we talked. The episode's not out, so you guys haven't heard it. Beetlejuice will be coming out today, the day we're recording. After I just have to finish adding clips to it, but we had actually a big discussion. I admitted to Andy last week that I was a, a Disneyland fall pumpkin spice girl myself. What do you say? Very judgmental. Oh no! He didn't well, quit the podcast. Says I didn't want to ruin today's vibe, <laughs> but not just kidding. <laughs> Look, you're in good company here. (laughs) So Haunted Mansion, Disney, it did a great job. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Little long, I think. Me and Angela talked a bit about it. Angela, you saw this as well. What were your thoughts? (laughs) Um, I thought it was fine. Like, I I think because I actually was excited years ago once they announced Guillermo del Toro and Ryan Gosling were going to work on a Haunted Mansion movie. And they said it was supposed to be... Yeah, so part of me is like, yeah, I've been because I felt like that would be a whole new take on it versus what we got with the Eddie Murphy film. 
Um, and I was really bummed that as the years went on, they, they scrapped it. They said it mm. wouldn't appeal for the all ages. They think it's a little too Fools. scary, a little too dark. <laughs> so what we got, like, I, and I get, I get their decisions, but there are times it's like, okay, this is not too far off from the Eddie Murphy movie at times, mm. but I do like more of the dynamics of these characters that they had in this film. And there was a lot of fun moments like Owen Wilson's great. Um, and even Danny DeVito, it just felt like his character pulled out of It's Always Sunny, just in the Haunted Mansion, and I was having a good time with that. Did he come out of a couch at some point? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of Yeah, <laughs> He's got a very uh, coming out of a couch vibe. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> his character. But I agree with the aesthetics. It's nice to be in the, the setting of it was well done, and good nods to the ride, and yeah. Good music. I thought nice. the music was all pretty spooky vibes, which I like. Important for a Halloween movie. Yeah, yeah, the music is good. Man, just hearing the Guillermo and Ryan Gosling Haunted Mansion, man, what could have been? Just, just with us Gosling heads, we we're we're yeah. dead man. Is it dead the man's gosp- bones? The Gospos. We're the dead Gospos. Man's bones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gospos. He could have written the soundtrack for that movie. Come on. Totally, totally. He gets There's it. one Dead Man Bone song that needs to be in a trailer or a movie. Oh, I know. It's got like such like a vibe. I can't remember the name of it, but I shouldn't say. I don't want somebody else to take it. Bring back DMB. Lose your soul. That's yeah. It. Lose your soul. Can you do that after Barbie legally now? <laughs> <laughs> I think you can. Brand. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but did you ever see that picture back then where uh, him and Guillermo were at Disneyland riding that Cars ride? Yeah, <laughs> like, they're, exactly. they're doing research on the Haunted Mansion and then they went <laughs> over to California. <laughs> they like sneak in a few rides. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I wish like, I could uh, find it right now. We're going to do right the now. Cars movie instead. <laughs> Man, Guillermo, Guillermo has so many almost projects that sound incredible because he almost did the Hobbit yeah, trilogy right. as well. He almost yeah. did a Halo movie or a series at one point. Mm. I'm almost, oh, really? I'm pretty sure he was attached. That sounds familiar. There was some other creature feature that sounded really cool. And instead, we got Shape of Water, which yeah. I hate that movie. It's an <laughs> absolute trash movie. Is he is he doing a um a monster? Is he doing Frankenstein? Or am I wrong? I heard about that. <sighs> okay. I think he's doing like a brighter Frankenstein. Yeah. I know he's doing Universal. something. Yeah. Hmm. With I think it's rumored Andrew Garfield's Frankenstein's monster. That's amazing. Oh, okay, like that's that. cool. And yeah, Mia Goth cool. is the bride. And that I'm makes like, sense. That's pretty good. That's pretty really good, good casting. casting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could be super interesting. Okay. Yeah, great, great actors. As long as they bring back the Universal monsters to being horror movies and not these action spectacles like the last Mummy attempt. <laughs> <laughs> what was that from, Caleb? Can you rec- you couldn't no. recognize it, dang it. What's that? It's from the uh the mummy trailer that they released without any music. It was only the audio uh, oh. audio track or the dialogue tracks. And it's so like there's a, a great Yeah, he's crashing in an airplane and there's no oh, music right. or sound effects, so you can just hear him yelling and it's just like Is that intentional? <laughs> no, it was like my accident, right? Major mistake. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, somebody just somebody just turned off the tracks because they were listening to the individual tracks, probably. Or you export it as a test to hear this just the dialogue, and they accidentally uploaded the one that didn't have all of the audio tracks. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> 
which is, yeah, <laughs> somebody who worked in post-production is absolutely hilarious. I've done stuff like that. After that, I watched The Exorcist, which was really great. And then I watched uh, just the trailer, but I wanted to bring it up for The Exorcist satire. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched the trailer. And that movie is crazy, too, so we should talk about that. Wait, is that with... um? <laughs> With Linda Blair herself plays an adult exorcist. She basically plays the same character uh, in a comedy movie with Leslie Nielsen. Leslie that's Nielsen, like a that's full on, like a naked gun type yes. of movie. Um, Repossess is the title mm. for that. Repossess, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my last four. Uh, who would like to go next? Angela, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. So the last four movies I watched. So these first two I'm about to mention were part of, I went to another marathon at the new beverly uh this past weekend this time it was for their halloween special and this time i i thought it was going to be four movies like last time but Mm. this time it was six so i was like holy shit (laughs) how long is that total runtime it started at 2 p.m in the afternoon and it has ended around right before 2 a.m so like 1 30 because all these movies are short (laughs) but it was long (laughs) it was epic it was it was But I was like, man, how am I alive? How am I breathing? So respected. Did you stay for the entirety of it? I did. Wow, good for you. <laughs> I was with a group of friends, so they were all we were all like, yeah, we're gonna gung ho this. We're gonna sit through all of this. So it was fun. That's it was amazing. cool. If it was by myself, I would have left like maybe like after the fourth movie. Right. <laughs> so, and I, I like the, the way they put these marathons because we don't know what we're gonna watch. They, mm. it's all random. You know, we they they throw trailers at tries to give you clues and hints what you're about to watch and most of these all of these movies i'll say i've never seen before and i've only heard of one or maybe two i don't know so the first film that was screened at that uh marathon was a movie called the new kids from 1985 starring james spader and laurie oh. lohan from full house oh wow <laughs> which was a fun movie i mean it didn't really start off like a horror movie it's like these new kids move to a town it's like all right they're just getting adjusted and then there's a James Spader is this weirdo that wants to get with Lori Lohan and she's trying to like re- reject him the whole time, but he gets this scary rapey vibe. So he gets his oh, gang God. tries to like harass her and her brother and they fight back. It's a crazy movie. It it's like, like a movie from the 80s. This. Yes, it's totally. But it's got some of the greatest kill scenes, I'll say. Mm. Let's say there's a big brawl in a theme park and there's some crazy death scenes, oh, wow. like with dealing with a roller coaster, getting people getting beheaded and stuff. So. I'll say it. it was fun. It was fun. And the second one they showed, they, they mixed it up. So the next one was going back to the 40s. It was a film called Return of the Vampire starring Bela Lugosi as Dracula, oh, cool. which I've never, cool. never seen. I thought it was a sequel to Dracula, but it's not really. It's like its own hmm. thing. And he has a sidekick that's a wolfman. But the wolfman in that movie like talks like a normal human being. And he's like, it's like Igor's assistant going around trying to take souls. I It was, it was cool. What I appreciate it. From? I don't have... 1943 oh, okay interesting okay yeah and I've, yeah first time seeing it it was cool like i've only seen the original dracula like i've never really watched much of belly lugosi's other mm. vampire films and then the third film they showed was a film called komodo from 1999 i've never seen it nor heard of it it mm. only screened in like <laughs> very few theaters <laughs> for a specific reason but it was very like it reminds me of anaconda reminds me of uh, jurassic park but like a really cheap version but yeah he like plastic they showed the trailer to that actually and anaconda so i was throwing you off the set (laughs) (laughs) trying to get you to guess like was 
um but i've never heard of this uh, it was it was cool it was it was wild it was silly it's a 90 totally 90s type mm. movie like had die hard type bad guys and komodo dragons That's going awesome. around killing people that one sounds awesome yeah it's it's pretty fun and yeah a rare one to find i guess but yeah hopefully down the road you guys could check out komodo and then the film after they showed was a 70s grindhouse film oh, cool. called the severed arm from 1973 which is it's like you know if you've seen the tarantino's grindhouse it's like mm. seeing those fake trailers expanded to a, a full feature i just watched those recently yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah this one is about like a guy gets a package he opens it it's just literally a severed arm and the title shows up the severed arm it's like what That's so cool. is this <laughs> It's kind of a mystery movie where somebody's after all these group of people and then have this whole flashback that like they all like were trapped in a cave and and they were trapped for like maybe a month and they all like start to they don't have food or water so they try to kill one of the people in there and which they do and they take his arms so they assume it's that's the guy that's coming around killing everybody which you know they had a fun concept totally 70s <laughs> just some of the reaction shots that those zoom ins are just yes. so like ridiculous and fun. I definitely appreciated it, and I can see if people are kind of turned off by it because some people didn't seem to dig it after the screening, <laughs> which I, I totally understand. And the fifth film in this marathon was a film called Scarecrows from 1988, which I've never heard of, which is also a weird, like, action-y type movie in the beginning. It's like all these people pulling a heist. It's like these are, like, literally, like, diehard bad guys who crash land in this, like this farm and there's all these like weird scarecrows who are like possessed and like mm. are killing these troops around like this cool. cornfield had a cool concept but it's the movie really does not have a resolution or payoff it just like it just ends in <laughs> after like a big climactic moment and it's like well it's, it's over like there's no so i don't know how i feel about it i, I was actually kind of snapping through it it was kind of slow i mean times. it was like how how <laughs> 12 late hours yeah. you gotta yeah 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 i'm already like yeah eight nine hours in this marathon i'm like yeah maybe i can nap through this one and like close my eyes for a bit you wake up to a beheaded person <laughs> and the last film in this marathon was a film from 2003 which you might have heard of especially if you've been to blockbuster because i've seen a lot of tapes for it it's called wrong turn from oh, 2003 yeah. i remember that one wait who's in this movie elisha elisha dushku oh okay for some uh, reason i was thinking this was the a jj abrams movie but never mind it, i don't think it was oh do you know what i'm talking about he made a horror movie with, yeah i don't want to uh, derail you sorry Oh, no worries. Yeah, I can't think of that one. But yeah, this had Elisha Dushku, which nice. she was a lot of 2000s movies. Yes, big deal. Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. And I used to get this confused with Jeepers Creepers. When I hear Wrong Turn, I always think of Jeepers Creepers or that other horror movie with Paul Walker. And I forgot the name. Steve Zahn, I think, was in it too. Angel, that's, the, or something. J that's the J.J. Abrams movie oh. I'm thinking about. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is? J.J. Yeah. Abrams did that yeah. movie? Joyride? Joyride, that's what oh, it is. No way. And it's a horror movie? I Yeah. 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 It's like a catfish with, horror movie. With who's in it again? Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, and, and Steve someone Zahn. else. I love Steve Zahn. And I, I, I do love too. Paul. I got it. I don't, this is not on my radar at all. So watch this is a horror classic movie I need to watch. This will go back to the first <laughs> section. Restart the podcast. I got a new <laughs> <intro>. <laughs> <laughs> 
at the time i felt like those movies came out around the same time and they yeah. always had similar covers so i always get them mixed up when i saw a wrong turn it's like oh I, this is with justin long i'm like oh no this is a different movie i've never seen this so i feel like the mist came out around that time and ghost ship too oh yes for some reason oh, yeah. those are all just kind of in the same category of these like over the <laughs> yeah. top early aughts horror films and I want to say the Fog remake, right? Came around the mist. Yeah, I yeah. felt like there's there's all these like misty The mist and, and the fog. Come on, guys. <laughs> so that was the marathon I went to, and then the last, I guess if you want me to name the other two, I saw I saw a movie on Hulu. It's a new movie. It's a new horror sci-fi film called No One Will Save You. I watched it for the first time a couple of days ago. I also watched that recently. Oh, we all saw it. Pretty fun, it, right? Oh, yeah, I, I loved it. That yeah, movie. it was pretty cool. I liked it a lot. I loved too. it. And very ambitious, like keeping it like no dialogue, keeping it all visual. There were times I'm like, you know what, this is a it's a cool movie, and it's also would it's just like a long short film at the same mm. time. I feel like the concept of it is like a short film expanded. It's a tight ninety. It's perfect. It was yeah, I agree, Angelo. Yeah, the good thrills, and that girl was really good, Caitlin. Really Dever. good. I've She's only I've only seen her in I've seen her in a few things, but I just remember her from Booksmart. That's probably the mm. most notable movie I could think of. I know she's been in more. And the last thing I watched and prep for our conversation today was the documentary, The Fear of God, uh, 25 Years of the Exorcist. And, nice. Which, yeah, can't wait to talk to you guys about today. Oof. Yeah, Angelo sent around some cool documentaries about The Exorcist. I didn't include that in my last four, but I did watch one of the ones you sent out that was called The Cultural Impact. Uh, yeah. The Exorcist. So thanks for sending those, too. That was cool. No problem. And I was going to rewatch the movie last night, but I, I, like I said, I was I put on the documentary and I knocked out like so late <laughs> last, early last night, actually. And I was like, no, I was going to watch the movie with the commentary because mm. I did watch the movie last week and prep for the, the new film that came out, which I'll save till the end of our discussion. <laughs> All right, guys. So I think I said at the top of the episode that I'm trying to watch strictly scary movies this month and I'm holding to it. So this is what we're calling Spooky Scaries 2023. And so far, I've watched five movies. So I'm just going to list them off really fast. I know it's not four, but, you know. Anyway, so starting off, I watched It Follows from 2014, a movie I really enjoyed. I really, really liked this movie. I tried watching it when it first came out. I think this was like a was in theaters and then went straight to Netflix. So that's where I watched it. And for whatever reason, I just could not get into it. But this time around, I gave it another try and I absolutely loved it. I love like the um, kind of the like it not it not really knowing what time period it's in, like the synthy music from the 70s. All the outfits were from the 80s, but it is it's a modern movie. Mm-hmm. That was really great. Very, uh, very enjoyable. After that, I watched From Dusk Till Dawn, the Robert Rodriguez oh, yeah. movie from 96. Hell yeah. I actually... This movie was fun. I've never seen it before. I really enjoyed like the very, the first half of it. And then the back half, um, I was, uh, the turn it, it, was, it was fun. It was, it's, it's a Robert Rodriguez movie. So I should have known going into it. That was going to be, um, slightly campy, a little over the top, but regardless, George Clooney is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Tarantino also, a starring role also mm-hmm. the origin story of his foot fetish i believe too is where this came from oh absolutely is that true or just a joke 
it's a joke, but there's a, some gnarly foot scenes, and Tarantino's mm-hmm. also an actor in this. Yes, and in this one, right. it is him yeah. with the feet. In Him his and Salma oh, Hayek have a very own. intimate scene. Let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> but I, en- I enjoyed that. it for what it was. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, probably one of the worst characters ever. Um, after that, I watched 1963's The Haunting from Robert Wise. Um, nice. This is a guy that directed West Side Story and Sound of Music. And this and is. I'm pretty sure this is based on. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Based on the same story that Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. You're correct. One of the, the yeah, mo- it's like yeah, same it characters. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. basically, it's like a haunted house movie. Really cool. It feels like a Twilight Zone episode, like a prolonged t- Twilight Zone episode. I don't know yeah. how much that's discrediting Robert Wise or the story or whatever, but and the staircase shots are so beautiful in that the staircase shots are amazing there are practical effects in the movie but it all really relies heavily on the acting and i think all the actors were phenomenal a lot of who's the lead in it so the lead is a woman named julie harris um the only movie i've seen her in is east of eden with james dean but also richard johnson russ tamblin is also in this movie and claire bloom they're like they're the four leads uh, they're all terrific. It was a really, really awesome movie. Yeah, it relies a lot on voiceovers, which were really, really well done. And then also just like close-up reaction shots, which I thought were done well. Really cool, really cool movie. Very spooky. Real quick, is this the one where the house burns down at the end? It doesn't burn down, no, but... But there's a big fire finale, is that right? There's a 90s remake of this movie, so maybe in that one. But I might be thinking of like The Changeling or something. Maybe. But anyway, I... I I remember seeing this and it was cool. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I know. And I was telling, I was asking my wife this because like I said, like a lot of this movie like relies heavily on, I want to say like overacting, you know, like really like (laughs) over dramatized things. And I was just trying to figure out like, when did that, that doesn't really happen nowadays. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know what I'm talking about when some, or like delayed reactions. And this movie (laughs) has tons of that. So if that is, that's something that, you don't vibe with well just know that that's everywhere in this movie but regardless really fun uh after that i watched no one will save you which was awesome this is the hulu exclusive um mm-hmm. like alien home invasion movie really really awesome i watched this in the back of my car on my iphone while waiting for my <laughs> wife to be done with her back to school night so i think this is exactly how the director wanted me to watch this but it's probably pretty creepy that way actually it was really good i it, it was awesome. I love this movie. The alien designs were terrific. I thought really, really yeah. inventive and cool. And really I love the interior of a UFO. Like that's like my, my favorite thing. Just seeing what people think is like what they come up with when they think of the interior of a, of a spaceship. Be. And this one was so cool. I loved it. Um, I really liked the narrative device of just like no one talking to the main character. I thought that was really well done. And, and yeah, this movie was, was really, really cool. And then finally, I watched Scream, the original nice. from 96, yeah. which this is probably of like, of like the scary movie franchises. This is probably my favorite. And like, I think just because it combines like wit, like scares, but it's also like kind of a thriller. And I like that in my scary movies. I like being yeah. thrilled more than like horrified. And it's like, a, it's a Wes Craven movie. So it's really tongue in cheek and it's really fun. And I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer kid growing up. So that like high school dynamic I loved. And this has that in spades. It's so much fun. It's a fun franchise. It is. And I've only seen the first three. I haven't I haven't oh, seen okay. any of like the newer ones. So I'm I'm excited to 
delve into those when I get a chance. They're really consistent. Yeah. Really consistent. Anyway. Really fun. Even the new yeah, ones. Yeah, even the ones even the great. ones that like people didn't like, I loved. Like I think either the second or third one, they're awesome. I love these movies. Oh, I also finished Mission Impossible Fallout, so I finished my Mission Impossible uh rewatch. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, congrats. Thank you so much. And I would recommend not watching Mission Impossible, any of the movies, like at 10 o'clock because then you won't be able to go back to sleep because you're just like so high on adrenaline <laughs> you know so, I, so I, I watched I this at night and i was like i didn't go to bed till like two because i was just like so jazzed i was like i need to watch i need to watch all of them again come down you're right though because after the new movie i literally can go to bed like till like four in the morning <laughs> at night because i saw oh my it, like, god late as well so especially in theaters with all that all that music and yeah sound effect bass you yeah know? the buzzing yeah, that's fun. Scream, great franchise. I feel like just in the last few years, I watched them all for the first time. Oh, like wow. It was one I, as an adult, I finally like watched that I'd been avoiding, kind of. Yeah. Not avoiding, but just never got to. They're awesome. They're so funny, you know. And there's something about them, too. So clever. Yeah, super clever, but there's not a lot of, like, there are some, like, really horrible scenes, but nothing, like, over the top that, like, I, I can't really stomach a lot of gore stuff. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, this one has like just it. It looks just fake enough to where I can watch it like happily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very self-aware. Yeah. They really realize they're yeah. in on the joke at the same time. But yeah, they're also like sincere thrillers, as you, as you were saying. Like there's still stakes. Yeah. There's like you know anyone could die in those. I mean, I feel like the real villain of those movies are the audiences, like us, because we're we're paying to see these people die all the time and put them in these <laughs> exactly. situations. Yeah. And you feel it as you more you go. And this, I feel like the newer films play on that a lot. Once you get right. there, yeah. I won't say much. Yeah. But. Also, also a great J- Jamie Kennedy uh, character. <laughs> oh, yeah. in these movies too. Yeah. He's so Dude. good. He's the self-aware film, the horror film guy. <laughs> Sorry, I know we should move on, but real quick, it's so funny watching this movie now because it's so. It's like self-referential about, you know, like movies and movie tropes and things like that. It's like very like movie bro culture. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back in the 90s, like that was fine because it's really hard for you to like, you know, find other people who like the same, like, especially if it's kind of a niche thing, you know, but now that like things like Letterboxd exist, you're just like, shut the fuck up about these. <laughs> like yeah. there's like, I don't know how many characters quote movies i'm like no one does that stop saying that no one quotes movies like that <laughs> so i just thought that was funny just because now if this movie came out people would be like oh my god please stop <laughs> but in the 90s it was great anyway different times different pre-internet times. nothing is fun with the internet i was gonna now. say internet ruins everything yeah <laughs> i actually did watch the lost city which is a bad movie the lost oh which one is which this? is a spooky scary in itself oh is that Sorry. the Oh no! Wait, I'm thinking of Lost City of Z. Wait, is that the one you watched? No, with? this is the no, this is the romantic comedy with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah, oh, I, I yeah. have seen Brad that. Pitt has yeah. his hot scene where he comes out all hot and sexy. Yeah, right? and Daniel Radcliffe really and Dylan, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was the. Villain. Did you like it, Angela? I mean, I like parts of it. I like. I like. I like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we should move on. No, I liked it. I like dumb himbo, hot Channing Tatum. Like, I think he, yeah. he leans in that really well. But this was like a little too much of that. And also, I just didn't like, as as charismatic as, as, charismatic as he is, I just didn't, 
him and Sandra Bullock for whatever reason didn't do it for me. I really wanted to like it because I thought it was a cool. It felt like an original story, like obviously based on other, Our like cool. romancing the stone well, and things take like that. A quick break and we it get was back. Fine. We'll it was dive absolutely into fine. The green bile of oh, the God. exorcist. <laughs> Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. The world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! The one hope, the only hope, the exorcist. So I'll start us off because I Hmm. and I want you guys take this and run with it. This was just kind of my main takeaway watching this time this movie takes forever to get to what is like when you think about the exorcist Mm. you think about the priest yelling at the demon girl basically right you know Mm. christ the power of christ compels you which was awesome so good i got got me so pumped (laughs) (laughs) so good when when she's like is she gonna die and he goes no and then he starts slowly walking upstairs i was like (laughs) let's go jesus go take that demon and jump out the window (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i i really enjoyed how much time was spent setting up the the main priest character i really enjoyed the iraq stuff i love the iraq stuff yes It just really fun. I love anything where it's like some guy in a foreign country. Me too, Caleb. Some miss, you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it's a little archaic at this point, but I love it. So I just, I thought that was really cool. And then this, this movie is just very good at holding its cards. Cause like, like I said, that iconic soundtrack barely even in the movie and used mm. to really well, but mm. not like uh, other horror themes where it's the main thing in every big moment. This was just like really used as like a a segue kind of mood setter more than like in the moment but mm. ian first yeah. time watching it thoughts yeah so this has been a theme on my last few episodes where i'm watching a movie for the first time that is like so part of like film culture and it's so it's referenced in so many different things that i feel like i've already seen it um yeah. this movie uh, is so much more than its references like it's it's and i think what you said about it 
kind of holding its cards close to its chest this movie does like it's so good at setting up the characters and it does not overplay like the reagan the, the like the even the exorcism anything like that because what you want as a viewer you want to know who these people are and i feel like and you want to feel something when there's stakes yeah mm-hmm. i loved this movie I think I told you guys I loved it. I'll never watch it again. <laughs> it's probably true because Caleb, when you told me that we were watching The Exorcist, I was pretty bummed. I was like, I don't want to really watch this movie. I'm too <laughs> <Yeah>. scared. <laughs> and this movie is scary. Like there are some horrible moments, but the things that scared me weren't the things that I thought would scare me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we'll get into that. But yeah, like you said, the I love a movie that gives you some like, historical context or background into the lead up of something so like all the iraq scenes just like being with father Marin at the beginning of the movie was just it did so much to establish kind of what you would get up to, to towards the end of the movie I, I loved this movie i thought it was fantastic i don't know if i answered your question but no no that's a great start father marion played by the legendary and eternal Max von Sydow. Yeah. He's so old in this movie, and he looks exactly the same as he does in Star Wars. Well, I, Awakens. I read that they put on makeup, because I think mm-hmm. he was only... Angelo, do you know how old he was in this movie? Was he, like, in his 40s? He was in his early 40s, and they, they pulled, yeah. like, the, the Marlon Brando thing with, like, Godfather yeah. making him older. They just he just wanted to get that actor for that role, and I'm mean, fantastic. Yeah, was, He's yeah, best for it. No, just in terms of like the practical effects, like just like the makeup in this movie, like how they utilize mm-hmm. that with with Father Marin with Reagan, yeah, um, is just incredible. It's 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 chilling what they were able to do with what they were not given, but like after like reading some things about how this movie was shot and some of the antics that William Friedkin, the director used to get the characters in the moment, (laughs) pretty, pretty bad, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I love that. Other than that one documentary I watched, it was interesting. I didn't get a ton. I wasn't able to get a ton into the background of this movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to hear that from you guys, especially Angelo. Mm -hmm. This is, like I said, a lot, you've seen this a lot, right? Seen it actually a few times in my life and it's been kind of throughout when I was younger till now. And I've only seen it a few times, but it's just made such an impact where almost the whole movie is already in my brain. I know where things will hit and I know the the feeling, the emotion, the impact, but I just, it's one of those movies I couldn't stop thinking about. And I was too scared to watch when I was younger. I remember going to a, a movie and they showed a trailer for a re-release and i think it was with my grandma and she whispered to me don't watch this movie because they'll be possessed oh by a God. demon because we were you know coming oh, from a religious sure. home and she was a very religious woman she's like don't watch this movie ever in your life and that got me like kind of more curious like oh what is this and the trailer was scary they didn't show too much it showed snippets of things and i remember being like what mm. is this movie I, I didn't even know it was an right. old movie i was like i thought it was a new movie coming out so they said oh it's a so it's the version you'll never see like that was in the preview and i was like well i gotta mm. watch this and i remember catching it on cable when i was younger and i had to turn it off because i just saw like blood coming out of this girl's mouth coming down the stairs like what is this this is too i can't i don't think i can watch this even though i was curious i'm like i get it now but then for good reason angela i don't think you should have watched this movie <laughs> no, as a child. No, exactly yeah <laughs> it was it was too much and then i grandma was right <laughs> 
And then I got to see it, I think high school, I rented it from the library finally. I was like, I think I have courage to watch it. And even then I was like, yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> alone in my room watching this. Yeah. <laughs> and then years later, I caught a midnight screening and it was um, probably one of the best theater experiences because people were, were with the movie. People were laughing, yeah. necessarily for some That's parts. Fun. This movie is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. There's a lot of funny moments. The devil's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, they were, we were laughing, but we're, people were also reacting to some scary bits. People jumped, and mm. I think a quarter of the audience has never seen it, so they it was like exciting. It was an exciting night, and I think that was when I realized that's fun. This is a great movie. It's not just a great scary movie. I feel like it's a really good, grounded story. Yeah, this would be an awesome movie to see on the big screen. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's when it really hit me. That was like, okay, mm-hmm. I love this movie because I didn't like it when I was in high school, but I was also still like, oh, this is a creepy movie. I was like that. I'll never watch it again. I thought it was too much, yeah. I, especially with some of the imagery in the in the film and the famous crucifix mm-hmm. scene was even when I was younger, it was like, that's too much. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that this time Dude. around. That, was, that scene <laughs> happened like, what the fuck is going on? I don't remember. This is horrifying. <laughs> freaking you're on one for that my friend yeah. and just to explain if you haven't seen this there's a scene where they walk in on reagan the sweet young girl who's being possessed using a crucifix to basically stab her her crotch region yeah. seemingly and it's it's very disgusting and very horrible sad. yeah horrible horrible yeah very impactful yeah this is um i think what really is i enjoy about this movie the most like I said, the setup is really great and pays off really well. Yeah. But it's what what it's most iconic for, which is the scenes with the priests talking to Reagan and more so talking to the demon inside of Reagan. Because mm-hmm. they're I remember when I first saw this kind of like as an adult where I was able to like process it on a level of like understanding more like, oh, this is scary, but kind of getting with mm-hmm. the movie why it's so scary. And what stood out to me was just how the the presence, the feeling of the presence of evil, which yeah. we talked about paranormal activity, and I talked about that being really impactful and terrifying to me. And that's like what that movie had in spades was like you always felt a presence of evil throughout the movie, mm-hmm. even when there wasn't anything happening. So they could just show us a time lapse of people sitting in a room, and you're like, oh god, this there's is something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like throughout the movie, they, they kind of instill instill that fear that even though there's nothing there's like no horrible imagery there's something present with these people yeah. especially in the house which which i love and i think that's the reason why it had to be kind of slow and prodding because you need those like those quiet moments mm-hmm. where you could have things like a picture frame like falling down and yeah. like that and that causes more fear than than linda blair stabbing herself with a crucifix <laughs> yeah you know yeah, a lot of just yeah. good slow tension building, and and the snippets of the demon coming into frame always gets to me, and it's just like just so quiet, but it just jump cuts to it, and I'm like, that's that's yeah, a flash, flash frames kind of yeah. right of, of the actual like almost demon subliminal. Faced. Yeah, uh-huh. those are like some of the scariest things of the movie. That aspect, and I actually really liked the there like a lot of like quick cuts of. Like you get like Angela, like, like you say, Angela, like snippets with Reagan as she's possessed. You're not there for too long until like the towards the end of the movie. But it's very mm. quick cuts from her to like back with the mother and her dealing with like her having a conversation with someone. I really liked that, too. It wasn't like like you weren't focusing too much on Reagan's character, but more on the surrounding cast and how they're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
she's almost a background character in the first half. Yeah, for sure. You know what's happening to her, so you don't need to focus on it too right. much. You're more just like, yep, she's being possessed exactly, slowly yeah. but surely. But it, they spend a lot of time building up the main character, father. Karis. Karis. Uh, Karis, played him. by Jason Miller. Jason, oh, he's, he's so, so good. good. I'm a friend of your mother's. I'd like to help you. You want to loosen the straps, huh? I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Reagan. I'm not Reagan. I see. Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras. And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? He's definitely my favorite part of the movie. My favorite aspect is this whole journey of this priest losing faith and especially with his mom dying. And he's constantly like, yeah. I know everybody, it's funny we're in the 70s. He's, I'm not used to seeing priests smoke cigarettes. I feel like all the priests. Oh, in this man. Movie. Or doctors. <laughs> just, or yeah, doctors. Yeah. Oh, my God. Inside the That was office. so awesome. <laughs> Dude, at the, at the Catholic office or whatever it was, the church, that when they had the big table for all the priests and there was like eight. There was like eight ashtrays on it. Yeah. It was <laughs> and so, I was like, that is so weird. It to was see. cool. Honestly, <laughs> I like when, yeah. When the mom brings her, uh, uh, brings Reagan to the hospital to see what's going on. Like the first time she brings it, the doctor is like about to give her the lowdown. And he just lights up a cigarette and you're like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, not, like feet, feet away from the operating table. <laughs> I like how you texted us about the, your, the hospital scenes being more terrifying than the actual like stuff you were anticipating. Because I think I agree in rewatching like those, like, like when they put the needle to her neck, that whole oh sequence was so unnerving and like unsettling. I, <laughs> And I don't know if it's because I wasn't expecting that or just because that was I, I'm I'm assuming that's really how they would go about because I'm what were they doing? They were they were trying to figure out like her neurological, like if there's anything wrong with her brain. So mm-hmm. they're putting her through these tests that were just that felt so it felt so visceral and almost like medieval. It felt like it like she was yeah. getting tortured. Yeah. I don't want it. And those and those moments, I think it was scarier because it's like, oh, this is the reality that some of these people go through, especially when you get scenes where Father Karras goes to uh, the psych ward and sees like patients, which I'm sure have gone through that 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 same process went through i don't know it just for whatever reason just felt like skin tingling than yeah than yeah. the uh crucif or not the crucifixion the exorcism parts mm-hmm. and it was like these are the people who are supposed to be helping her yeah. and they're almost hurting more, her more directly than exactly yeah i felt way. like they were doing more That's harm not totally than good. true but yeah like yeah. where it's like oh if these are the people helping her then you know yeah the devil right <laughs> to, yeah. to curse you I, I i did it's I love that you bring that up because I did wonder if there was kind of an undertone of how children are treated or Mm. even specifically like young girls in society. Because there was the beginning, the first half, there was some interesting stuff of her being part of like the film scene in weird ways that I thought Mm. was interesting. And again, I can't quite pick up on if there was a, a real point to it. But once they did the torture scenes of her with the doctors Mm. where they are kind of inflicting horror on her now yeah. i was i did i was like oh that's interesting and this does feel kind of like a clockwork orange kind of like mm, commentary definitely. on 
who are the real monsters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It did feel like, who am I supposed to um, be more scared of in this moment? And then you really feel the desperation of the mom when she goes to Father Karis. Yeah. And she's like, who's going to help me then? Like, you're mm. laughing at me. The doctors are, you know, not do. They're telling me to get an exorcism. Like, <laughs> now that an exorcist is telling me that this is a big joke. So, like, what am I supposed to do at this point? How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? If, um, if a person's, you know, possessed by a demon or something, how do they, how do they get an exorcism? Well, the first thing, I'd have to get them into a time machine and get them back to the 16th century. I didn't get you. Well, it just doesn't happen anymore, Miss McNeil. Oh, yes? Since when? Well, since we learned about mental illness, paranoia, schizophrenia, all those things they taught me at Harvard. Miss McNeil, since the day I joined the Jesuits, I've never met one priest who has performed an exorcism, not one. Yeah, well... <clears throat> It just so happens that somebody very close to me is, is probably possessed and needs an exorcist. Father Karras, it's my little girl. <laughs> yeah, I have some questions about that too that I would like to ask. Yeah, go, go. Well, when Karras first interacts with Reagan as she's possessed, he pulls out what he says is holy water and then the devil is like, like, what is that? Like, frightened by it. And then he starts um, putting it on her, and then she gets, you know, rattled by it. But then he goes and tells the mom that that was just tap water. And I'm, I, he said something else as to why it was important. But I was trying to figure out, like, why did he lie? Like, like how did he trick the devil into knowing that that wasn't actually holy water? Is it just because he's a man of the cloth or something? I, I think he was just trying to like test to see like, is this legit? Like, oh, is this for it. real? Because he was oh, very skeptic when he he's like, I've never done an exorcism. And he even said it was like, no, this hasn't been done. Like, yeah. Yeah, was, right. So he was just trying to be like, is it legit? Is she just messing? Is she just crazy? And so he was just trying to test with that. I told Reagan that was holy water. I sprinkled it on her and she reacted very violently. It's tap water. What's the difference? Holy water's blessed, and that doesn't help support a case for possession. But yeah, no, I, I love how just the film is just, it's so grounded. Like, they, they do a great job making it so realistic till you, before you get to the real fantasy moments. It keeps you feeling like we're in our world, and even the author, William uh, Peter Blatty, wanted William Freakin to direct it because he has, like, a documentarian style with this film oh interesting and they saw the french connection they just love how like realistic hmm. it felt and gritty and wanted to apply that kind of like we're, wa we're watching from an outside perspective like we're not supposed to be seeing hmm. this interesting so I, I like the way they they built up like the first half leading into like getting into the you know the more yeah the the possession sequences i think every one of the films i've made they've all found me i've never gone out looking to make a film I was doing a press tour just before the opening of The French Connection, and I received a package from William Peter Blatty. I opened it, and there is the manuscript of The Exorcist. And I started to read it, and I read the whole thing that night. And so I called Blatty, and he told me that it was based on a true story, that his novel had just appeared, and he had sold the rights to Warner Brothers, and he wanted to know if I'd be interested in directing it. And I said, absolutely. 
I would absolutely love to do this. Billy Friedkin, I had heard that he was a prize-winning documentary filmmaker. I thought, my God, that's what I want. This story is so wild for the, the greater public. It needs that documentary, grainy film feeling about it. I shot it almost like a documentary. It's very simply shot, it's very clear, and it's done by a writer and a director, myself and Bill Blatty, who were able to infuse into the cast and the crew a belief in the material. Again, like having not seen it before, it felt a lot more grounded than what I was anticipating, like a lot more like attached to the real world. I don't know if that makes sense, but like tore it totally. until until we get to the obvious um, exorcism. But yeah, I think yeah. that's why I really enjoyed it too, because it just felt like this could happen. It felt like a document, like almost like we're seeing something like like you just said that we shouldn't. I was going to say yeah. that that nailed it, Angelo. Like that's the perfect way to describe the cinematography is just like kind of voyeuristic and kind of like, oh, you're not supposed to be in the room right, right now. Yeah. Like, you don't actually want to be here. Yeah, you're like a fly on the wall watching this all happen. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have been looking at this. But yeah, no, I, I like how it takes that approach and especially with the whole, yeah, you know, as we talked about the doctor sequences, making it like, wow, nothing will save this girl. Even like, because, you know, that's our go-to in life. Oh, if something's wrong with your, you know, somebody, we got to go to the hospital and see what's happening. And mm. they, they do such a great job doing everything until, yeah, we get to the exorcism sequences. So in the beginning of the movie, you're with Father Marin. He's on an excavation in Iraq and they're just mm. looking for artifacts. And then he comes upon what looks like the head of a demon there's a music cue there's wind so you know this is important he stares at it for a long time and then you're with him and he's like obviously shook like so do you in that moment do you think there was something like he knows that he unleashed something that he shouldn't have or like what do you think happened in that moment because and also, how did that demon get to Reagan? That's another thing. Are we just supposed to... Like, that also scared the shit out of me, too, because a part of me thought that after that moment, like, the mom was going to come into possession of that thing or something, or maybe he was related to her in some way. I love I love that opening sequence. It's like a, a cool overture, which we don't get a lot in movies, especially horror movies. It really just sets, yeah. like, this world, the environment, and I like how... Yes. Or we're seeing some presence coming from an unknown place and another unknown territory. And I want to say that opening is more like foreshadowing that this, because I know, like, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about the franchise, because they did a prequel based off that character's journey in Iraq. I think it's Exorcist the Beginning, which was also was directed by Paul Schrader. Then it got cut by uh, oh, cool. the studio didn't like his version, so they hired Rennie Harlan to to do it, and it was, everyone hated it. And oh, then no. they, then they re- finally released the Paul Schrader version a year later, and oh, everybody wow. still seems it says slightly better, but still mixed. I'm, I'm curious to watch it. I haven't seen it. That's been on my list for a while. Maybe I'll watch it after this. We do this review, but no, yeah, the character of Father Marin in Iraq. I always thought that was a good. Like just hit like a foreshadowment that evil is now like coming. He's sensing a presence, like something yeah. that's out of this world that he doesn't know what he could do. Like at least just based off from this movie, like he's just dealing with something that he's never dealt with before, and it's coming. And and then I think like yeah. how it gets to Reagan, it's more like I think it's in their perspective, it's evil messing with them. It's like you're gonna go to possess this random innocent girl, you know? Just I was gonna with. say. Because there is that scene when she pulls out the Ouija board. And I was yeah. like, no, you, you fucked up. Yeah. You fucked up. Why'd you do that? 
I know, I now I'm answering my own question. Yeah. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, yeah, I That's see. nice. Oh, I bet he is. Here, I'll show you. Captain Howdy, do you think my mom's pretty? Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. Well, maybe sleeping. You think? And I was like, Reagan, you fool. You absolute fool. And I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like when he when she grabs the board, the little dial thing like moves by itself. Did you guys yeah, notice that? Yeah. Yeah, with the mom. It just moves. I was like, oh, you guys met. Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. I'm glad he brought up that scene because that's a scene like in, in today's horror movie culture. When if that scene is made today, that'd be like, oh my god, it'd be like the most dramatic music sound. Like, oh, Ouija board or like something. the lights would like flicker. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Huge music cue to make you jump. Try to make you jump. Yeah. But they make it so normal and like, hey mom, look what I'm playing. I'm just here talking to Captain right. Howdy, and it's just like this normal scene. But it's like, oh, I'm still feeling not something unsettling here. And even when it skips, yeah, right. you question yeah. whether you saw that or not. Even with like the subliminal, like with the flashing of the demon face, you're like, wait, what? What was? What was that? Yeah. Wow. And speaking of that scene too, I feel like they did a good job, um, you know, making us care. Like she's like she was adorable, young Linda Blair in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was so so adorable in in the beginning, and it's like you don't want anything bad to happen to this girl. So they did a good job, kind right. of making you care and see and transformation throughout this film just yeah. gets worse and worse each act watching this movie it reminded there's like so many scenes and like moments that just reminded me of silence of the lambs oh. like there were like a lot of like the georgetown university mm. stuff when you see a father Karras like running around in the track like there's like i don't know for whatever reason even like the just like the slow plotting nature of the story too yeah you know you don't like really get into the meat of it towards the end i can totally see that and even even just the presence of evil like Hannibal kind of has that same thing where even yeah. he's not being directly evil, you can just mm-hmm. feel danger around him. I don't know if this is even correct, but like, almost like, like a procedural type thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not like a detective story, but like, you know, they're trying to like solve a problem or. Totally. It is kind of like a cop detective because it's even the priests do kind of act like cops in this where they're like. And there's a detective in this movie too. Yeah, right. Yep, and a psychiatrist with the Father Karras is also a prestigious mm-hmm. psychiatrist in a previous life. Yeah, you're totally right, because there's even, like, they try to de- investigate right. this, essentially, you know, which is kind of like a, a trope for exorcism movies now, because it's always right. like, well, the church needs to confirm there's an exorcism yeah. before we can take action. And that usually ends up being, like, a big part of the theme. And that's cool that you bring up uh, Signs of the Lambs because the the third film in this franchise, Exorcist Three, is more of a cop like finding a serial killer. I don't know if you've seen that Caleb Exorcist. Oh, that's kind of cool. Which is also directed by the author of the, of the Exorcist. This is his first or second oh, directed wow. movie. So he's well, he's glad he directed the third one. Mm-hmm. And it's, he wrote oh, a I book called Legion, it. and it was supposed to be called Legion, but the studio says we got to market it as an Exorcist sequel. <laughs> but it's about the cop from this film, played by George C. Scott this time, trying to find the serial killer, oh. like a Zodiac type killer. But they believe that there's some evil Ooh. presence in this killer, and, 
it's really good actually i saw it for the first time in in prep after you know leading up to the new movie i, I try to watch as much of the franchise as i can and i haven't seen most of the sequels because i think the exorcist is like kind of like jaws to me where the first is just an iconic classic where i don't mm. really need to see a sequel to jaws i felt like, like you get it and like it's just gonna be the same shark yeah. movie and i always thought oh you're just gonna make the same yeah. possession <laughs> film over and over again so i was very surprised with that that was a cool take it's like you're not remaking the first right, film right, right. again but I definitely would recommend that if, if you like Sounds of the Lambs and especially brought the parallel. I, will. Which is now I cool. have to. I like the genre bending too, kind of, or like the combining of of genres. So I like the idea of the spiritual warfare mixed with uh, a real serial killer. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, so this was written by William Peter Blatty. He mm-hmm. wrote the book that this is based on. It, this was a hit book before the film. I one thing I did find in researching this movie that was really fascinating. He was on a game show, William Peter Blatty called you bet your life. And basically it was a show where you would come on and there'd be a panel of like experts or in expert. And you would try to convince them of who you were and they would try to decide if you were lying or not. Oh, wow. And so William uh, Peter Blatty uh, went on to this show after he wrote his first book, which was not the exorcist. And he convinced Groucho Marx that he was an Arab prince and he won. He and his wife were the contestants. They won $10,000 on the show. And when Groucho Marx asked him what he was going to do with the money, he said, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to write another book. And he did that. And 10 years later, he would write The Exorcist and release it. And then it would become a phenomenon, which was made into a movie that would become a major phenomenon. Uh, And I thought that was really interesting and just one of those weird moments seeing, because you can watch this episode on on YouTube, but it's just like fascinating. It was like, oh yeah, he did it. Like he went on and wrote real books and made made an impact. That's right. You just won a total of $10,000. <laughs> now, what are you going to do with all that money? What are you going to do with your five? Well, I'm going to pay off my bills first. Oh, that's, that's a good way. And you, Bill, what are you going to well, do? Are you I... going back to Minneapolis? Oh, it's going to finance me to finish the next book. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so congratulations, and thanks for being with us. From publishing the book to the movie getting made, what was the time period? Do you know? I don't. The book would have come out in 71 i believe so just a couple years so it must have been a pretty quick turnaround on that's so interesting too because i like i isn't this during the time period like early 70s like the jesus revolution like the evangelical church kind of having a major impact in society that's just so weird to have both these things these like cultural revolutions or whatever coming together i wonder if they they fueled each other kind of too i know and that's why i'm like like, I know everyone's like, oh, I would love to see what, how, like, I would love to see what the world was like. Or, like, I would love to see Star Wars in the movie theater. This would be way crazier. Like, seeing yeah, The Exorcist yeah. in 73. Mm-hmm. With, like, with a full crowd. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It'd be incredible. I know. Or just even how, like, the world reacted. Because I'm sure this movie, it had to have been, like, banned, right? I'm sure there was, like, uh there's a lot of controversy around the time. I was going to say, Angelo, you sent me that great documentary that was kind of, it was about the cultural impact of The Exorcist, but ultimately they were interviewing people who were uh, seeing the movie, had mm. seen the movie, walked out mm. of the movie, 
talked yeah. to them about their experience. They also talked to a lot of theater workers and what they had seen at the theater. I fainted like 10 minutes after the first beginning of the movie. And I walked out and they gave me some water. I passed out in, in about the first half hour, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what, what it was, what scene it was that affected you so convulsions, much? Convulsions, when she took convulsions. Because I have a little girl and it was like watching my little girl. I think it's disgusting. Why? I don't know, it's just, it's just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me want to get sick like everybody says. It just, my legs are just going, Meh, and I want to go in the lobby and not watch it, and I have to cover my ears. What was it that made that happen? Just when when she started talking like devil coming out of her. Bleh. How about you? Uh, I can't even describe it. It's so horrible. It just... I don't know why I waited four hours to see that. <laughs> Do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, let's to, talk to about the impact. cultural impact. And... Yeah, it's crazy because watching that documentary, because they always say like Jaws was like the first blockbuster, but in this documentary, you see people really lying around the blocks for this film, and people waited overnight because they keep selling out, and mm. no one could ever catch the showtime. So it's it's kind of it's crazy. It made such a like, it was like probably one of the biggest word of mouth like events of all time. I that mean, makes I, sense. Yeah. Because I think they even they weren't expecting it to be that big. They were like, all right, we're just going to make this, and, you know, just like as a normal movie, I guess. But the, the impact it had, the reactions, no one's ever seen, like, things in this film before, you know. And especially all right. the people fainting, I guess, paramedics were trying to get people, like, to hospitals. They're having heart attacks watching it. And it seems like the, <laughs> the scenes are either the head spinning or the, the, the part where they put the needle yeah. in their neck. Yeah, the needle in the neck for sure made me queasy. Up. Yeah. Yeah, it looks too real. <laughs> and oh, crazy fact behind that scene before we keep talking about the impact. Um, I guess in that scene, there's like the, the bearded guy that's holding her behind. I read something that that guy's actually a, was actually a real serial killer during that time. Oh my god, no <laughs> that movie! And he was going around killing, I think, gay men around Los Angeles what? or something. Holy yeah, definitely look into it. I don't want to fully jump into it, but that's an interesting like because I was like, no way, because I was reading a trivia and then there were talking about that guy one of the doctor guys there he was actually was it he, he must killer. have just been like a random extra that walked on to set type of deal and they're yeah. Like, oh yeah we need people yeah kind of yeah oh, I, I don't know if he was a real doctor maybe i can't recall but i was just being i was just surprised that they had a real serial killer okay. in this movie so paul, paul bateson is a convicted murderer and suspected no. serial killer who appeared in the 1973 film the exorcist he is the suspected angelo not convicted <laughs> wow i love this fact that's horrifying yeah and i guess um William Friedkin was inspired by those events to make another movie with Al Pacino years later called Cruising, which is about a serial killer going around killing oh. gay men in Los Angeles. Oh that was the inspiration for that film, which is wild. Crazy. I guess he was actually a radio radiology technician too, so mm. maybe they hired him just because he knew how to that use machines. That makes sense. Yeah, wow. that is that's wild. crazy. Maybe that's the why the film has such an air of evil because there's yeah. an actual evil person working on it. Yeah, you know, they, they say this film's cursed. You know, they said a lot of the crew, some yeah. crew members died like after the making of this movie, just mysteriously dropping dead, and just like what? That's crazy. Crazy. But Freakin says there was no spirit presence on this set. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you would. You don't want to be liable yeah. for all the evil you've brought into the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 
but yeah, the impact of that time and seeing those reactions that everybody is like, yeah, I wish I was there in the theater at the time. And I met someone recently who she took her kid to watch it back then in the theater. And what? I'm like, why would you do that? And then, yeah, he's doing well. He's a priest now. I'm like, well, no, no shit. Like, <laughs> he is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind like, of forcing his hand there. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's crazy. But yeah, no, I wish I was there at the time. And and I mean, yeah, for its time, I could see that really being like the big shocker because there's not a lot of movies where you have kids swearing all the time and like kind yeah. of abused on screen. So that's like tormenting for people, you know. And yeah. even now, it's still like, yeah, this is still unsettling in, in aspects. Yeah, the devil was a little too cheeky in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to quote some of the best lines, but I, I can't say I can't say oh, them. they're okay. also they're all horrible, out, yeah. especially <laughs> the girls playing them. But it is Ian did say it's the devil can be pretty funny. It, there are some shock some shock jokes made by the demon that did make me like burst not burst but kind of catch myself laughing right when when she starts mm. yelling at people. She's very vulgar and she's very direct. I would ask her to do some of the most outrageous imaginable things. She was 12 years old. And I'd say, now, Linda, you have to do this. And she'd say, oh, no, no, I can't do that. And I'd say, oh, sure you can. <laughs> and no, no, I can't say that. And I, if you don't say that, Linda, you're not going to have your milkshake. Really? Uh, yes. So she'd do it. You could bleep this out, but one of my favorite little moments in this movie is when the doctor tells the mom, is like, yeah, your daughter told me to get my hand away from her. <laughs> and I, was, yeah, I don't know yeah. why that, that always cracks. The way he says it and the way she laughs after it just, it just makes me crack up. <laughs> her vocabulary is rather extensive. Well, give me an example. What did, like, like what? Specifically, what did she say? Well, specifically, Mrs. McNeil, uh, she advised me to keep my fingers away from her. Goddamn. I was just in terms like just um in terms of, like the cinematography, this movie was so well shot. Like there's the scene at the beginning where um where Father Marin is like walking back to I don't I'm, I don't remember if the if it was the excavation side or anywhere somewhere, but he's walking in in the same frame where all the men praying in Iraq. I don't know that they're like the way that I was shot and framed was really cool. Maybe this just sounds stupid, but there's like a lot of like shots where like a statue of something like this sounds dumb now that I'm saying it out loud. Cause it just, the movie takes place in churches, you know, but there's like scenes where like either like a cross or like a, some statue, like in the foreground or like in, in the background. But anyway, just like a, a lot of those, like, like framing shots I thought were really cool. Just like to, it's almost like there's also like the presence of God in each shot too. Yeah. Like the way, I don't know, but I thought no, that was totally. really cool too. Just as aesthetically, or to add, because I've noticed this too, there's a there's like a duelingness in the in the yeah. visuals as well, where there's yeah, yeah, yeah. like a cross hanging over a scene where they're talking about the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that's I, what I, I mean. Yeah, thank you. I totally agree with that, and I I do think it does a lot to set again the air of like evil at the same time. Like yeah. the fact that you need God all the time around oh. means you, it's because the devil's always around too, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or like the, yeah, the fact that you don't like. Yeah, right. Like there's spiritual warfare happening everywhere and you just can't see it, but it's like in the frame. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. That stuff scared the Behind. shit out of me. Yeah. And definitely a lot of staircase imagery in this film, which I think that's intended right. yes. of like, you know, stairway to heaven or down to hell. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the 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 iconic stairs I thought were really interesting. Again, it's another thing where I'm like, I thought that was a bigger part of the movie, but the staircase right. is another just like haunting image because you know the guy at the beginning died on them and no one really understands why. I can't remember oh, is that the director? Uh, a Burke. Burke? <laughs> yes, Burke the director, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which... I also want to talk about that too after you're done, Caleb. Just the Yeah, so just I'll, I'll wrap up. I don't think there's much to it. I just thought it was interesting because that's such a another iconic visual of right. just the staircase. And I know people yeah. go, go visit it a lot. And I it just isn't there's just so many things in this movie that are used to create awesome tone. Mm-hmm. But kind of in a creepy way i don't understand like why it works so well like why is that yeah. staircase so scary because it's just this big steep staircase it's in an ominous. alley yeah. oh it's yeah. so creepy just like when there's one scene where somebody uh the guy who's investigating the death of the director kind of and he's trying to figure out what happened when he's standing yeah. over the staircase staring at it that whole Even the sequence. last shot too yes mm. the last shot. Yeah. and maybe oh, that's cool. why it's so haunting is because it's foreshadowing priest Karis. right but then the last thing on this, uh, and then I want to hear what you're going to say, Ian, was was it Lieutenant Kinderman? Was that the guy kind of Kinderman, investigating? Yeah, mm-hmm. Kinderman. So when Kinderman, he was awesome. When Kinderman is talking to the mom, Ellen or uh, uh, Chris, Chris is her mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to Chris, and he's basically trying to find a reason to not think it was Reagan that pushed the guy right. out of the window, and so he's they're both kind of doing this like dance where he's like so from my view, it had to be like a man that did this. Like, was there any man up there? She's like, no, that's impossible. And he's like, okay, well then like, then it should have been this. So was this happening? And she's like, no. And they both know what she's saying is that they're both saying it had to have been Reagan, but neither of them want to say that directly. So by the end of the conversation, both of them are like, yeah, that was your daughter. Like, and we both know it now, but nobody will ever say that out loud because it's too Mm. horrifying and like cruel to, and then neither can like comprehend how. Yeah. Um, I I really love that scene. The deceased comes to visit, stays only 20 minutes and leaves all alone a very sick girl. And speaking plainly, Mrs. McNeil, it isn't, Likely he would fall from a window. Besides, a fall wouldn't do to his neck what we found, except maybe one chance in a thousand. Now, my hunch, my opinion, he was killed by a very powerful man, point one, and the fracturing of his skull, point two, plus the various other things we mentioned, would make it very probable, probable, not certain, that the deceased was killed and then pushed from your daughter's window. But nobody was in the room except your daughter, so how can this be? And later on, the mom does say, yeah, no, Reagan killed. Um, right. She killed him. So she did, she did realize it for sure in that scene. Throw him out that window. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even say like it, the strength of a man is the only thing that could like force yes. him out the window. Also, before that too, you see like the crowd running to the scene of the crime. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, what? Is-? Like they don't even they don't give it too much attention. The camera doesn't like lingers on it for a second, or just yeah. you know. 
I didn't put that together until they finally have a conversation about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of weird that director was going to babysit her alone in the room, like when the other yeah, babysitter was, had to leave. I was going to ask. <laughs> okay, yeah. I want to ask you guys about that too. What is the significant? Like, I think it's. I actually really like that Chris is like it, this movie is also on like a movie set. I thought that was yeah. really cool for whatever reason. Forgot about I kind that of like too. I like yeah. movies in movies. But I felt like the Burke, the director character, seemed like so pointed and directed at someone, but I didn't know if it was like, it felt like a commentary on someone <laughs> that was like almost like a Polanski or something like that. Ah, yeah. I was feeling Polanski vibes myself. Yeah, totally. Also, there's that scene, there's the party scene oh, yeah. where you first get, where he's like berating, I don't even know who it was, like a waiter or something. He's drunk. Calling him like a Nazi. And I'm like, I don't know what that was about. Tell me, was the public relations you did for the Gestapo walk? Community relations. <laughs> yes, of course. And you never went bowling with Goebbels either, I suppose, eh? Nazi bastard. Can I get into my deep conspiracy theory that I don't have a ton of evidence for? But again, there was just like little things that kept popping out to me this time watching it that was like, I wonder if there's supposed to be a subtext to this. Hmm. So I kind of talked about how I wondered if this was about the treatment of children or specifically like young girls in, in some society. And they just happened to set the movie in a Hollywood context where the mom is a famous actress. There's always film people around the director. Like you said, is at a party at their house is for some reason watching her. While he feels questionable. Yeah. Very questionable, very shady, never a good guy. And they're always kind of like laughing about him, even though it's not like funny. He's just like mm -hmm. a creep. It seems like. So then you get Reagan being like experimented on. There's all these guys constantly mm. coming into her room and like telling her, Oh, this is happening. Let me like in the medical sense, I don't think they're meant to be creeps, but you know, we need to touch you and we need to poke you, Prod and you, need yeah, to, right. you know, do experiments on you to figure out what's wrong. And then we're, we're going to be wrong. Like we're going to tell you what's wrong, but we don't actually know. And then also there's like, so the demon specifically centers on, reagan's sexuality as being like his his main like point of torturing her and and torturing others like we said she's stabbing herself with a crucifix and in that scene she's saying fuck me jesus fuck right, me jesus yeah. and then she's constantly trying to get the men in the room to fuck her or to like view her as a sexual object she's constantly putting yeah. herself in that kind of context and the demon we know preys on people's internal weaknesses so with father Karis, Karis, he's oh, attacking his, yeah. his guilt with his mom dying alone and with father marin uh i don't remember specifically what it is but he he does feel like he's kind of above it and knows how the demons work so there's not mm -hmm. probably a ton of personal stuff but he's still clearly having like a struggle with with the demon and so i wonder if there's not supposed to be a subtext that the reason the demon is targeting her sexuality is because she's being sexually abused at and there's oh, and that, that there's i don't have a ton of evidence but well, there's a ton of context clues like for example you mentioned it's weird that the director was left alone with like a sick girl uh mm -hmm. to watch him, some drunk like film guy and it's like oh that does seem like a clue and the fact the demon killed him that's interesting no but yeah you don't get a scene where the devil is confronting him or like you know, with his uh, internal weaknesses. Also, mm -hmm. I think yeah. I think Reagan like hints at a relationship between her and the mom because she's always like, "Why is he here? Like he always comes by." But she didn't. She mm. didn't say in a way like she was creeped out. It was more just like 
prodding those, her mom I with think questions. But those lines that never get followed up are used to to create context clues, where it's yeah. like, oh, so then the daughter is aware like of things that the mom thinks she won't be kind of. Mm. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm reading into it, but the scene that really made me connect to that possible thread, like what you brought up the doctor uh, when she's getting tested, how the mm. hospital scene is one of the most horrifying scenes. Right. And again, it's like a bunch of men who are supposed to be helping her. But I also think that was also just like the method, like the medical exactly back, though like, you know, like i think that's archaic. why you would yeah, and i right. think that's you know i think movies you know are, a lot of the time are trying to point things out or, in society yeah, right. that are kind of weird or just like mental illness too like how they totally treat mental illness yeah yeah i think that could all like in the hospital scene they make a point of pulling her yes. down down to show that she has breasts and and i remember being like oh i thought this was like a little girl but she does seem to be in a you know, and so she did feel like she was also at that age where you might be starting your period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, historically, you'd be viewed as somebody coming into like an age where they can reproduce, which like right. biblically is a really big deal. And the devil, you know, would be really interested in that. Mm-hmm. So I, I might cut all this because I feel like I sound like a no. creep noticing all this stuff. But well, you weren't <laughs> like licking good. your lips while you were talking. I, it was it. disgusted. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great observation. There's grounds for this, I feel like, contextually. Like, yeah, you don't have a scene... Like, that scene of of the doctor, like, pulling the the gown, like, right... You know, like, just to show just enough. Like, I feel like you wouldn't shoot that for any other reason... Yes. Otherwise, than to get you, William Friedkin is just it. a creep and wanted He's a bad, to. Yeah, right. <laughs> otherwise, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people may not realize what Billy probably had to go through as well. He had to not only create and have everything and all his homework ready, but he had to be careful of how he was and or anybody in the presence of a, a minor. Keep away. The is mine. He would hand me the dialogue and I'd read it and I'd be like, oh. Fuck me! Fuck me! A child does not know what those words mean. Fuck me! But he probably really did have to think about how was he going to get that performance. He never ever once tried to do something to intentionally hurt me or to misguide me. Angelo or Ian, actually, I think both of you guys kind of mentioned this, but you were talking about how William Freed can use some interesting techniques on set mm-hmm. to manipulate actors, possibly. I'd love to yeah. hear. So I don't know anything about that stuff, so I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Angelo, well, I, th- I feel like you might have more. Yeah. Um, the big one that's that's known is that he came to set a few times with a gun and was trying to fire it up just to, just to get reactions out of Father Karras, Jason right. Mill. I'm going to yeah. start the podcast that way to wake everybody up. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just to get them scared. And everybody was, especially the act, Jason Miller was not happy with, with the way he was directing him and just thought, like, you don't need to do that, you know, to get us scared, right. you know, to get us startled. Like, I guess, I don't know who he did it to, but I think, didn't he, like, slap somebody, too, to kind of get a rise out of them before a scene, too, Angelo? I don't know if you saw that. 
I want to say it was one of the uh, the priests or Ellen Burstyn because right. I know she was not happy yeah. with there was that the famous scene when she goes in and you know she's masturbating with a crucifix, slaps her on the ground. Yeah. Um, I guess in uh, during the take, she told William stop. Can you tell the guy to stop pulling me so hard because she has a wire on her. Oh, to, to, right, it looked right. like she was getting hit, and he's like, okay, and he whispered to the guy, pull it harder, harder, and harder on her, and I think Very, she like broke something. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, both Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, she was hurt, and Linda Blair. There's a part the the first time you see her, like like you know, moving fast up the bed, getting you know, moving back and forth, like like convulsing. She was on, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that scene, that was probably the scariest scene, like of in terms of like all the exorcism scenes, her yeah. like flipping up and down. Yeah. yeah, and she had a brace and a wire, and I guess the thing was broken. Like she was trying to tell William, like, hey, this is broken. Like the part where she's like, stop it. She means like, stop it, William. I think she says Billy. Like you could kind of hear it in the audio. That's what they say, and I haven't gone in the actual movie. Yeah, she's like, Billy, stop Billy? it, like, stop oh, it. And I gotta listen to that again. And she's really suffering, she's really wow. hurting her back. And I think she almost broke her spine in that scene because she's getting, you know, yeah, contracted back and forth. And and he was just like, Oh, that sounded great, that's good. So he's kind of like, Yeah, he's kind of abusing his actors a bit, you know. I know, I know he's, he's, he's a brilliant director, but that stuff is like, Yeah, that, that's scary, that's some sketchy stuff, you know. Kind of reminds me of The Shining. Yeah, I was gonna say Gary mm-hmm. Kubrick. For yeah, sure. yeah. Similar things with him and the lead actress in that. whose name I'm. Uh, Shelley Duvall. Yeah, great director, but yeah, these techniques are like, yeah, this only in the 70s. It was the they, 70s, they, they, yeah. You right. get away with it. I was going to say, it was in vogue. And I think, like, I know there's that scene where, where it's, like, supposed to, invoke, like, it's cold because you can see everyone's breath. I think he actually, like, refrigerated the sets. So they're actually, yes. like, extremely cold, too. It's 30 degrees. That. That's, like, mm. cheating because it's the actors will automatically act cold. Right. <laughs> it's not acting at that point. That's they are true. just shivering. That's different. a good point. That's right. a good point. They're gonna die. <laughs> and Tarantino used that same effect for Hateful Eight, and he did the same thing where they just refrigerated that cabin just to keep that, that like, cold weather. And yeah, understandable for visual aesthetic. It, it's yeah. gonna say it looks amazing, and you can in modern movies when they add fake cold breath, it looks horrible. It's one of my biggest yeah. pet peeves. Social give me real cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, they were really were freezing and suffering in that room, like not even for acting wise, you know, because <laughs> he was shivering. I know you can see Jason Miller shivering a lot in those moments. And yeah, mm. yeah. And Max, Max von Sydow, Sydow made me so uncomfortable with how cold and like frail he looked. Like he yeah. really felt like he could just like pass out and die at any moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so the way he deteriorates. We talked about it a little bit already, but the makeup in this movie is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit over the top with reagan but it's never not disturbing and and like effective one thing i liked max von Sydow's deterioration by the end of the movie he really looks like a ghost especially how the that room is lit too it's like i feel it's like only blue light yeah so his makeup even looks more like ghostly yeah, yeah he mm-hmm. looks like a cadaver basically by the end of the movie yeah. and then i also liked at some point the mom gets hit in the face i think oh, she gets yeah. crotch punched by by reagan at one mm-hmm. point that might have been the crucifix uh it was yeah. mm-hmm. and to me 
and I don't know if this was on purpose, but it was the makeup looked similar to how Reagan's face was being contorted hmm. by the demon, how she became more like swollen and her, uh, she got like stronger cheekbones and things. Right. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, this almost feels like the mom is being like infected by the demon as well. Like it's a disease that now, like even her face is starting to shift and contort by this possession hmm. indirectly, right. but just showing how the demon is like reaching through Reagan into all of their lives. And like, um, kind of, uh, they are all being uh, possessed in a way, not directly, but right. you know, which I thought was kind of a cool use. And and you could probably make the same argument with Max von Sydow with Father Marion, where he is also being the the joy in life is being sucked out of him by this demon. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk really fast if we could, and we could go anywhere. But I we we brought up the demon at the beginning and how it connects. And now that I know there's a prequel, I'd like to watch that and, and learn more. I do think there's like more of a, a storyline there than I can pick up on or can can recognize because he's in Iraq and he's performing an exorcism in Iraq because one of the priests says, oh, he's in Iraq. You know, I heard he was doing an exorcism that's been lasting like he was in Africa. Africa, maybe. Mm. But either way, they go, yes, but he's back now. He's been yeah. back for three to four months, which I think kind of matches up with the timeline of Reagan getting possessed, more or less. Mm, I think that the, the, we get hints of her being possessed at the beginning of the movie, which I think is a few months before they reach out to Max von Sydow's character. I was wondering, did he either, by finding that statue, unlock the demon, or was he researching for another exorcism and was battling that demon in iraq already oh interesting Mm -hmm. and freed it from another soul yeah yes Mm. and then it attached to reagan because when when father marion first comes onto the reagan scene um and joins that exorcism when he walks up the steps i think the devil Reagan goes, has like an evil smirk and she looks like a little nervous and surprised. Like, Oh, like mm. there's a new player in the game now. So I, I, I almost wonder if this was like a rematch. Like we were seeing a sequel to a movie we never saw. Oh, where yeah. This was like father Marion knew what he was walking into where he's like, Oh, I know this is the same guy. I just beat in, in Africa or Iraq, whichever it was. Yeah. Um, and that's why the statue becomes a reference point. Cause that is the demon that he recognized from a previous exorcism i kind of want to know i would love literally just a backstory on that that just iraq time period because yeah like you see him almost like like sleepwalking in that whole sequence especially when he comes face to face with like an actual statue at the end like just knowing what he's like thinking or what he's like reckoning with or like i would like a backstory i think that gotta watch the third one i guess i, mean, I, I guess, think that's yeah. and it is the same author so you know it's uh it's the same vision that's interesting about the demon almost being like a shadow onto him. You know what I mean? Like it, like calling following him. I didn't. Yeah, it was. That. It was like really wanting Marion, or knew he was gonna like like the demon almost was like so excited to be free again, and mm-hmm. then Father Marion shows up, and then he ends up beating Father Marion, but gets tricked. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing. So this movie is all about the possession of Reagan. She, it's the kind of a classic possession movie. She gets possessed. They take her to the doctors. The doctors are all like, oh, it's a mental thing. It's like, oh, it's, you know, she's schizophrenic and nothing really works. They can't figure it out. Even the doctors recommend eventually she gets an exorcism. But even they're like, it's just psychosomatic. It's not real, but right. this is the course of action, which I thought was great because doctors are usually the ones who are like, no, that's fake. Don't do it. 
the big finale of this movie, Father Marion and Father Karras are doing the exorcism and Father Karras ends up leaving the room because he's emotionally compromised by the demon. Yeah. He's mocking him with the mom and Father Marion stays alone. When we come back to the room, Father Marion has been killed by Reagan and is dead on the floor, seemingly. It almost feels like a stress-induced thing, too, because throughout the movie, he's, like, taking these pills, and you're assuming he has, like, some heart mm-hmm. heart condition. Yeah, he gets all shaky and has to take a yeah. pill. Like I said, maybe my favorite moment of the movie. So Father Karras is downstairs talking to the mom, and she's trying to figure out what's going on. She's like, you know, is it over? And he's like, no. And she's like, is she going to be okay? And he goes... Uh, you know, I don't know. And she's like, you know, is she going to survive? And she, he, he like looks at her and he's like, yes. And in that mm-hmm. moment, he's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Is it over? Is she going to die? No. So he goes back upstairs, finds the, the dead old priest who was kind of supposed to be our superhero savior. So now right. that he's dead, you're like, oh, well, we don't have a chance. Like we were, that was the only shot we had. Mm. But he convinces the demon to possess him instead of the girl. Ultimately, he's like, just take me instead, you know. And then once he's possessed, he throws himself. He has enough mind to throw himself out right. the window with the demon, killing himself on the iconic staircase. Come into me. God damn you. Take me. Take me. There's a great scene where his friend, his priest friend, gives him his last oh, rites that and his was last confession, and he just squeezes his yes. hand to say yes oh to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reason I give that backstory, there's a story in the Bible that I've always really liked about possession, and in it, there's a uh, just a guy in a town possessed, and I think it's a prophet, and maybe it's Jesus, I can't remember who does it, but they come to help with the possession and perform an exorcism, essentially, and the trick they use is they mock the demon, and they say... Mm we bet that you can't possess that pig right there. And he's like, I can possess anything. And they're like, okay, we'll possess a pig then. Like, do it. Like, we don't think you can. And so the demon does it and possesses the pig. And then once the demon is in the pig, they kill the pig. And that is oh, like wow. a, a cool little trick they use to to get the demon. And I wonder if that was a direct inspiration for this ending. Because he essentially does the same thing, but using himself as the pig. Right. Mm-hmm. And she even, uh, Reagan at one point calls herself a sallow a swine a sow a sow yeah, yeah. which is a which is a pig oh, yeah word. i am the sow or i have the sow oh that's a good poll caleb mm-hmm. i i feel like like the sacrifice by marin was like really powerful or uh, by um by father caro or what his name Karis. Karis. yeah yeah so his sacrifice is really important and powerful but at the same time i was like would that kill a demon wouldn't the demon just find like another host it almost goes straight back to linda blair yeah Mm -hmm. i don't yeah i don't know my i think my interpretation of that is i think is he you know the whole movie like i was mentioning like he's lost faith he you know and he's right i think that was his moment to fully regain his faith to save to save reagan and the whole time it's not about reagan it's about this demon playing with like faith their belief in faith and it's like you know 
So I think that was like his his ultimate sacrifice that what led his to Hail him. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is one of the strongest parts of the movie. It kind of reminds me of uh it's a little different, but I guess it goes into that like spiritual religious aspect and signs when Mel Gibson's character has lost faith throughout that entire movie. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen signs totally. seeing it. I know Caleb has, but I don't want to spoil the ending. I have, yeah. You know, I know people make fun of the whole water aspect of that film, but I really think that is just the metaphor for like, you know, and when he regains his faith to save his son, it's like holy water, like mm. splashing down, killing the evil. Too. It's almost like that aspect in, in The Exorcist, where it's yeah, it's just a man regaining faith to for the sake of good. But I know William Friedkin likes to toy, toy with the idea in his version that the movie is ambiguous. Like, did evil lose? Did it win? Or did good win? Right. But that was his interpretation. That's a great point. Yeah. So it's not actually supposed to be guaranteed that that beat the deal. We just won this battle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. More so because I mean, because there's two versions of this movie, and both. William Blatty and Freakin have disagreed with a the theatrical cut because uh, uh, Freakin wanted to make it more ambiguous and more mysterious with this whole supernatural uh, aspects. But Blatty's version, he really wanted to show that good one. He wanted to show that you know evil was defeated. In a this hopeful movie. ending. Yeah. People actually believed what they saw on the screen. Some of them maybe had a different interpretation of that. That's always bothered you. I've always rejoiced in it, frankly, that everyone who sees it has a completely different interpretation of what they've seen. I don't want them to think the devil won. I just don't well, I, you know, to me, it's how could they possibly think that? I know. Well, the but, problem is the audience is I long suspected. I know, Bill, and what we what we should try to do on the re-release is yes. is have the I'll audience pass the by end. you. No, 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 no one gets in the theater until you've questioned their veracity, Bill, until you've questioned Bill, their philosophy. It, it doesn't work. I've been on a million talk shows that explained everything to everybody, and mm-hmm. they don't hear it. We, they found footage that was lost. I guess a lot of the scenes in this, like the director's cut were, were lost footage and restored back. Like the famous spider walk scene was taken out. And there's a that discussion mm. scene in the, the staircase where before the, the ending when Father Marin and Karis are sitting on the stairs. Because in the theatrical cut, they're just kind of sitting there. There's no dialogue. But the extended right. version is this whole dialogue exchange about how evil is just devil's just putting this wants him to feel despair they had this whole exchange and freaking didn't like it because he just said that's just really we get the point we don't have to explain all this stuff but in blatty's book that mm. was like a big part and he wanted to keep it and i guess huh. freaking wanted to just respect blatty it's like all right well we'll make this your your version too you know so i guess that's why they put it back in the director's cut so if you ever visit it again it's, it's an interesting it's almost like a new movie in times like in some parts that they add it's like it adds a new Context and, right. and yeah. Why this girl doesn't make sense. The scene in which Billy and I argued about on the set was a speech between Max von Sydow and Jason Miller on the staircase between bouts of the ritual. And the speech was, "Why this girl? What is the what is the sense of the point of that?" And to paraphrase Marin's answer, it was, the girl is not the target. The target is you, me, every person in this household. And the point is to make us despair, to make us feel that humanity is ultimately vile, ugly, 
bestial, putrescent, so much so that if there were a God, he couldn't possibly love us. And to me, that speech was so important because on a practical level, it would permit a member of the audience to not hate himself for enjoying some of the more horrific moments. It would explain things like uh, the green vomit spewing, everything, all the horrific stuff. I think the point is to make us despair. That was the first scene that I cut out of the movie on my own originally, because I felt that that statement of what it's all about was inherent in the whole film. Bill always felt that it needed to be stated. And I said, Bill, I can't include it because the whole movie is saying that. To reject the possibility that God could love us. I really put it back for him because I feel and felt that I owe him a lot. He wrote this thing, he created it, gave it to me. And as I got older, I become somewhat less arrogant and I felt that he should have the version of the film come out that he wanted. That's really interesting. I, I actually really liked the stare scene where they don't talk because it, it felt like hopeless to me. Like I was like, man, even the priests are just kind of like, yeah, we just got to keep going. Like there's nothing to say. Like we get rest, you know, but I, I, I need to watch the director's cut. Ian, mm, one yeah. of the things he texted was, where's the spider walk? And I didn't even realize that I didn't see it in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I must have watched the director's cut previously because I have seen it so so i must have but mm-hmm. so was the spider walk not in the theatrical release then no it was only added for the uh the the re-release in 2000 whenever i did the the virgin you've never seen that was the first time that was premiered wow. and, and yeah that's like one of the most iconic moments and when people think i was gonna say, to say have that in your back pocket and just <laughs> and the reason yeah, why it's so not crazy. in the in the original i guess when they were trying to and put that scene in there like they could see strings and at the time they had struggle like oh. digitally erasing strings so he didn't want to use it and i guess you could tell and i don't know they did some reworking so whenever they restored it they had the effects now to like all right we could clean it up and sure erase those you know makes sense i looked at the shot of the girl walking backwards down the stairs which we couldn't use at the time because the cable showed because it was so bright when we did that spider sequence originally, it was so tricky. You had to have a pretty well-coordinated person to do that. And of course, putting the person on wires helped because you couldn't do it without the wires. It didn't make the movie because of the wires. And so in the 2000 release, they were easily able to take those wires out with CGI. And so Billy decided to use it in the re-release. But I know people don't... There, I've seen debates with people saying, what's the better version? Is it the theatrical or the extended? Because people think that spider walk scene kind of diffuses the whole, like, you know, because the whole movie It's almost takes like place. comical. <laughs> I, I guess. and But it's more like it, the tension's better when it's just kept in that room. I know people like it. It's, sure, that makes sense, but, too. Because her just leaving the room, it's like, oh, well, then shit. Like, she could just, just leave. Like, yeah, you don't have to be in this room, you know? So I know that takes people out. But if you ever see that mm-hmm. version, it, it is cool when it comes in because actually they do a good job like making like a normal dialogue scene and bam, this just happens out of nowhere during a conversation. You don't expect the jump scare or anything. So, in in my memory of watching this movie, that is definitely the most impactful part to me personally. Like like if I just 
was talking about what scared me the most before I rewatched it now, it would have been that. So it's it's mm. very fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like not in the actual movie. But yeah, it's interesting that like the the most famous scene is not in the original version, and this people remember. Wild. I bet people would have had more have been more heart attacks back in the day if they all saw that. So. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I think a thing that I appreciate about this movie too is that there's no unearned jump scares. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everything feels very earned and very like like dread inducing, but there's no like a. Hey, like I gotcha. You know, I think the yeah. only one is when the mom is in the attic, and then the butler oh, comes out and scares yeah. her. That's like the yeah. only time I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah. And then her candle shoots into a fireball for a second. Oh yeah, that too. But yeah, it, you're just filled with existential dread, but not like you're not like kind of like on the edge of your seat waiting for something to pop out, which I, I appreciate it because I feel like sometimes those can almost take you out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like like I said, they almost feel unearned. So yeah. that's another. Yeah, another plus, I guess. Very probably, yeah. Very little jump scares in this movie. It's all really just like you experiencing and seeing the visuals of things happening that makes it creepy. And yeah, and Angela, I think you saying that everything taking place in that room just makes it so much more. I can't think of another word other than like powerful or something. You know what I mean? Cause like, yeah, yeah, like seeing her escape the room, you'd be like, okay, well then just go and leave and go scare somebody else. (laughs) But just like everything being contained in that space or in that house. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. She's like imprisoned almost physically. And they're imprisoned with her. Yeah. 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 There's this like core evil room. They, everything has to revolve around. Mm hmm. Hmm. And I want to say the theatrical cut was better paced from my memories comparing to the director's cut. So mm, that makes sense because they added they had yeah. like a longer epilogue in the director's cut because I remember it just ends right after mm. they leave, and then in the director's cut, uh, the detective sees the other priest. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, the other one that is constantly smoking cigarettes all the time. Oh, uh, like that guy. Yeah, and then they have this exchange. It's, it was actually like a nice Father end. Dyer. Father Dyer, yes, and they had that exchange, and because he talks to Karis about, oh, do you want to go see a movie? I'm going to go see this uh, movie today. Yeah, like, oh, I've seen it, and they kind of have a similar type ending where he talks to <laughs> the other priest, but he wants to take him to a movie, and he's like, oh, I've seen it already. <laughs> so I don't know. It was it's interesting. Yeah, it's I love their movie talk. Yeah. <laughs> When he had extra tickets, he's like, "My wife doesn't come with me. It'd be a shame to waste the ticket." Yeah. I wanted, I want to clip that for a logic commercial. He's like, because he goes, he's just like literally, just like, "I love movies. Do you like movies?" And they go, "Yeah. Well, I love to conversate about them. I go every night. My wife can't come." I was like, "Oh, that's 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 the podcast. That's what the podcast is about. That's perfect. I love movies. I love to conversate about them." Well, you like movies? Well, I get passes to the best shows in town. Mrs. K, though, you know, she gets tired, you know, never likes to go. It's too bad. Yeah, I hate to go alone. You know, I love to talk, film, discuss, to critique. You want to see a film with me? I got passes to the crest. It's Othello. Who's in it? Who's in it? Debbie Reynolds, Desdemona, and Othello Groucho Marx. You happy? I've seen it. Uh... Yeah, and in that character in Actresses 3 also, you see him, like, and I think in the opening scene, they go to a movie, so it's like, yeah, this guy's just a, a film buff detective that just wants to bring all of his people to me and say, let's go see a movie, let's go see It's a Wonderful Life. So, yeah, I definitely recommend Actresses 3 if you did like this one. Okay, Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm, in, I'm very intrigued. I love a good backstory movie when it's me too. done by uh, the original people. 
Well, the backstory Especially. one is, uh, I think it's Dominion, the prequel to The Exorcist, or Exorcist, the yeah. beginning. But were you only saying the third one is The Exorcist, the beginning about the Iraq thing? Oh, that's the Dominion, uh, The Exorcist. That is Dominion? Paul Schrader. Uh, the third one is oh, William God, Peter Bradley. He did a, a book called Legion that's a, a, a sequel spinoff to The Exorcist about the, the detective oh, okay. in the first film. Where the third God, one, like he's that. on a case to find this like serial killer and then they think there's like something like that's right so know, the some... fourth one is the one about iraq then yeah the fourth one it's a prequel, prequel kind of and there's two it. versions i was just gonna jump to the paul schrader version oh, with stone skarsgård yeah stone skarsgård is marin in mm-hmm. there a younger Sweet. marin um i'm curious i I'm, i haven't i've heard mixed things but i still want to check it out i didn't have time to watch it before because i was trying to watch them all before my screening of exorcist believer trying to do a marathon and it was a fascinating marathon watching like as much of those <laughs> movies because hmm. uh, exorcist 2 was a sequel that did not make any sense uh, i don't know if you have any desire to i mean it, it's cool they bring back linda blair but it's such a really like whoa this is this is like a weird fever dream this is like you guys were really on acid making this or writing this sequel because <laughs> i don't think they were involved freaking wasn't involved i don't think blatty was involved or just credited as like a producer but it's just yeah. i can't even explain to you what the plot was but the third one was nice because it felt like okay this is more in this in the veins and this the spirit of the original and then i've yet to watch the the prequels and yeah i unfortunately went to go see david gordon green's new sequel to it if you want me to get into that yes uh, i was gonna say i think we should i think we're pretty close to wrapping up yeah i mean i'll be honest like it's just so strange because like you know we talked so much great stuff on this original movie and now me now thinking about this new movie the real bummer and i don't know if you guys watched his halloween movies uh halloween 2018 yeah he's like the new He's like the new horror movie guy, right? Oddly. He's entrusted with all these. Yeah, him and Danny McBride. Uh, very odd that they are now. <laughs> yeah, like, right. The guys who did Pineapple Express now. The are guys already... that brought you, Your Highness. <laughs> yeah. He's found him down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice principles. Because I, yeah, yeah. And he's, it's funny. He's good with the, the comedy stuff, but like the Halloween ones, I, I don't fully hate. But there's also weird decisions in those movies, and and then it goes for like mm. the weird more modernized things that are like why do i want to see these things in this movie and this new movie like for the exorcist he kind of does the same but like i'll be honest the first quarter was okay it started off really interesting and like they keep it grounded again they try to keep a grounded story but i think the film really takes a big nosedive when they actually try to connect it to the exorcist i felt like when you get yeah so i was gonna say because this is basically that this is supposed to like it don't they like basically forget the exorcist two and three or yeah right? they're, they're like, doing the halloween thing where they retcon right. every sequel but the original right, right, so this one they do the same but now it's like yeah we're gonna only the original is canon because they bring back ellen Burstyn, as you see in the trailer you know and you know okay, so he did the same trick that he did for halloween yes randomly but i'm in my i'm in a conflict where i'm like i don't know if he butchered that more or this one more because (laughs) uh because once you bring back chris mcneil it it, it really does fall in the 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 cliche of our generation of sequel movies where you bring back the legacy character and yes it it was cool when you build up to that moment like oh she's in it cool and (laughs) but what they do why is she in it it's linda blair (laughs) you know like 
So if this is is this supposed to take like okay, so it's twelve years or no? What is the time period? So 50, she's 50, old. Yeah, I know. Yeah, fifty years later. So okay. Uh, she they they go to her because I mean it's, I guess not it's in the trailers but yeah so right. the, the, you can get into it the, the dad in the film and another parents they, their kids go missing and they don't know what happened to them and then as the course of the film goes oh they're like doctors it's almost like that requel thing where they almost do the bits of what the original is because you spend a good portion of the film right. in a psychiatric war or hospital and they're all trying to you know diagnose them for things. And then, you know, in the actress, I forget her name, but she was in Hereditary. She plays the neighbor in this film. She's a nurse and she goes to him like, because, you know, the main character is an agnostic. He doesn't. Oh, and Dowd. And Dowd. Yes. She was actually good in the movie. The the acting was good. That's why I heard. I heard the acting was actually pretty awesome, but the story Mm -hmm. itself was nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the acting. That's why in the beginning, like, okay, this is an all right, decent movie. The the acting's good. The kids are good. Like, I actually was, you know, like, hey, good Mm. casting. That's good, but just yeah. Once it gets to like the climax, when when they're once it gets all the possession stuff, I'm like, this. It just takes a big nosedive. Something about it just feels so like mm. this is like the most generic. That's where you. That's where you need to hit too. Yeah, and and then when it gets to the parts of trying to do more of the shocking moments, like dude, 50 years ago they did more crazier shit than what these girls did. Like, like oh right. she pours, you know, like all the, the the grape juice over herself and i'm i'm bloody <gasps> scary you know <laughs> oh no <laughs> i'm i'm a possessed i'm saying body of the blood 10 million times in a row you know but i don't drops know drops a plate oops yeah <laughs> i'm possessed <laughs> when thinking back to the first film and she's only back because they found a book then they found her information like oh this girl dealt with something my daughter went through you know they they pulled that another thing. classic requel force force a character in yeah, yeah. is there any reagan talk okay or- you want me to so i don't think i should spoil oh, I, I know she's list okay yeah she's in the movie i'll say that she's in the movie somewhere <gasps> oh <laughs> oh you know it's so funny Sorry, I just scrolled all the way down to the cast, and she's like the last listed person. Yeah, <laughs> in the cast. that's so funny. I mean, it. dang it. I mean, you could cut this out, but if it's a spoiler, but it is. Yeah, more go of, get into it, man. Yeah, we'll, if it feels wrong, I'll cut it. It's just more. It's more of a cameo, and a cameo that they built up around the movie yeah. in a way. They kept. They do reference her a, a lot, especially Ellen Burstyn's character. But man, I just it's a bummer that they kind of mm. waste these legacy characters. I'll say, I'll, they they pull a Star Wars kind of with this a little bit, where Chris McNeil is like kind of like what happens to her it's like oh that's fucked up like so she's living a i mean she's living in a nice home but it's like she just has like it sounds like she had a fucked up life and everything's depressing it's like that's, mm. that's a bummer but yeah i don't know and and the biggest bummer of this movie is that they're trying to make a trilogy out of this so they're, they're trying to leave some cliffhangers right and especially as i mentioned the cameo it's like yeah you're you're, you're leading into another one after and it's like why does this have to be a trilogy like the exorcist was just one yeah. you know iconic horror movie and yes it had sequels and and i know they want to make money but this is a weird franchise to keep milking it because they're going to do the exact the only real answer money yep and and just keep having people possessed over and over again i feel like that's just going to (laughs) be but it's it's just yeah yeah we get it come on yeah but it was it was a bummer and i should have seen it coming because the gordon green is not the horror guy i feel like this should have been like ari aster or robert eggers or which they'll never hire i feel mm-hmm. like they'll never get the auteurs to do a good horror horror sequel unless you're like mike flanagan who did dr sleep you know i was gonna say they are too great. creative they probably have too many they're not gonna want to get 
bogged down in a I was going to you should cuz Exorcist is going to have so many fingers in it and so many opinions from producers cuz there's so much money invested into it. Yeah, for like let them make a low stakes movie they can explore more. Cuz yeah. like why why restrict yourself? Yeah, and and, and that's it's funny cuz like if this movie wasn't connected to The Exorcist, I wouldn't be you know, grinding on it so much. It'd be like a typical, like that's a, a whatever fam, like a horror movie you could watch with your folks, probably. You know, it's like not the greatest, scariest thing, but it has okay stuff. But the crime is like, yeah, when you really are trying to make it a sequel to the original, it's like, oh, this is not, 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 not what Just I was Don't do it for. if you yeah. can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The goal to be like, actually, this replaces two other movies. Like, what? We're going to erase these. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're still written by the original writer, they're still, you know, (laughs) yeah, it's a shame. That's a shame because at the end of the day, all I really want is like a fun, scary movie. And it feels like they try so hard to do so many things, but can't even deliver just like a scary exorcism movie. Exactly. So it was it was a big bummer, huge bummer. But the best sequel, I think, of The Exorcist, other than three, is Repossessed. So if you guys want to see uh, uh, <laughs> Linda Blair get repossessed with Leslie Nielsen, it's kind of a fun time. It's it's really ridiculous, but she's great in it as as well. She's having fun, like she's actually like in on the joke, and she looks exactly the same in her Exorcist makeup in Repossessed as she did in The Exorcist. Yeah, it's like kind of terrifying. It's like very unsettling in an unintentional way because yeah. it's like oh this is just an adult version of her face has not changed it's pretty i wild. know she does um, have the same face but also leslie nielsen in that role the classic i love leslie nielsen yeah. so um <laughs> i'll definitely check out repossessed definitely going to check out the fourth one that one sounded really interesting to me I, yeah i still need to see it dominion make sure the paul schrader version i don't know if that rennie harlan version is worth watching as i hear yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd prefer the wide like poster. They, I was looking at the poster or the like stills from I think it was the Rennie Harlan one, but they made Marin look like Indiana Jones. He looks like badass. <laughs> oh, he has cool. like a, like one of those like shoulder gold uh, gun holsters. Looks pretty cool. <laughs> well guys, any last thoughts on the Exorcist, the franchise, or uh any of the above before we wrap up? Just happy we got to talk about one of like Good my movies. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun to watch the two documentaries that Angela. Oh yeah, I, I feel definitely like this check is this a movie out. that deserves a lot more of. I, I need of, to watch the other one now yeah. too. For fun trivia, did you want to hear alternate castings for some of the characters in this film? Please. That they were originally oh, going to get. So for Father Marin, they wanted Marlon Brando, like before filming it, but William Ooh, Freakin actually said, no, if Brando's in it, it's just going to be a Brando film. It's going to be distracting. And he wanted to keep it more like <laughs> get some more fresh faces. And I don't, and the studio wanted Jack Nicholson. Immersion. Yeah, and the studio wanted also Jack Nicholson for, for uh, Father Karras as one of their first original casting. And then mm. oh, William Freakin said, no, that man's too unholy to be a priest. So he, they said, he said, That's no, so we're funny. not going to use him. Because <laughs> Jason looks Miller... unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Great. yeah and i'm happy they got jason miller it was his very first movie he's never been in a movie before this is his first film and he was actually a, a, a theater actor that william freakens on a play like a year before they were going to film this movie he thought this guy's great and said like you got to put him you know put him on film like this guy's got some real like natural chops and i thought he was great in this movie mm-hmm. so i loved him carries it for sure max von sido is great but he's just not in it very much yeah and and also, do you want to hear other directors that the studio wanted before Freakin when Vladdy was trying to get yeah, this made? 
So one of their first picks, the studio wanted Stanley Kubrick to film this movie, and he had interest, but he passed because he said, like, I don't know, I'm not... He, I felt like he said he didn't know how to put that to film or some, some parts, but he said he would want to see someone sure. try this. And then Alfred Hitchcock was another director that they were trying to get wow. to make this movie, and he declined it ASAP. Just that'd, said, be, that'd be fun. <laughs> just due, due to the subject matter. That's crazy. So, and another reality, yeah. we've kind of yeah. gotten like a, a, Hitch, a Kubrick movie with Marlon Brando or Jack Nicholson or, yeah. Wild. I'd watch that. I'd watch the shit out of that. And even uh, Audrey Hepburn was a choice for uh, Chris McNeil. But I guess she oh, was yeah, in. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, she was in She'd Rome. Been good. This was very fun. I'm loving this Halloween season movie watching. Being able to watch movies for the podcast has been very fun. And I'm excited for next week. I did not announce this yet officially, but we are going to have a very cool guest. Johnny Coffin will be joining us. He is a writer and director. I've seen a few of his short films, and they're incredible. And I'm very excited to talk to him. We are going to be discussing Friday the 13th. Uh, We're going to be focusing on the original film, but I think we're going to be kind of exploring the whole franchise. Angelo and Johnny are going to be watching the whole franchise. Every movie, is that correct, Angelo? Mm -hmm. Starting Thursday to Friday, so Friday the 13th. Spending a whole day watching all of them. So they'll be... <laughs> Which I'm very excited to hear about. Uh, I've been slowly watching them this month for the first time, so I'm going to try to finish them before we record that and watch at least one or two on Friday. Uh, but excited to have Johnny on. It's going to be really, really cool. He's an awesome guy, I and mean, I'm excited to get a chance to talk to him. You guys, as we wrap up, favorite lines. I don't think I can say any of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, I'll just do a big long bleep here. <laughs> I. I actually did have a good laugh when, 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 uh, yeah, <laughs> when Father Karras pulls out the holy water and the devil's like, what's that? <laughs> that made me laugh a little bit. You know, he's got, now that you say he's got a little bit of like Beetlejuice vibes. Yeah, a little actually, bit. Actually, yeah. they, they have a similar kind of crazy random energy. <laughs> Chaotic. I know there's a little one. My favorite line is just still that iconic moment where she goes to see the astronaut at the party says you're gonna die up there i don't know why that oh yeah. That's really creepy. <laughs> yeah when she's not fully possessed and just kind of like yeah leaking out possession very disturbing like she pees on the floor yeah. at the party uh this maybe wasn't my favorite line but it cracked me up when they were at the party and father Dyer is playing piano for everybody oh, yeah. and he's like my idea of heaven is a solid white nightclub with me as a headliner for all eternity and they love me <laughs> it's like oh okay <laughs> you shouldn't have been a yeah. priest man hey, <laughs> relax okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy that one too uh, we will be back next week if you are still listening at this point I really appreciate it I uh, hope you enjoyed it we'll see you next week everybody please go watch watch a movie. Go watch a movie.